where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone, and happy Friday. Welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis, where it's 7 o'clock. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke Grimsley, Dan McLaughlin, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker, and I do apologize, kids. I completely forgot about Hardy's Rise and Shine. I didn't get up early enough to do Hardy's Rise and Shine for us. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for it, Randy. I know you were. And I got into. I, I actually came uh, came into the building. Got a, an email yesterday, by the way, that uh, our elevator, which has been out since before Christmas, was working. So I uh, I get to the elevator and it's not working. So that's a bad thing. Then I get to the top of the steps. I say, "Damn it! I'm supposed to get Hardy's biscuits for Brooke and Rock uh, and, and Dan, and I did not." So I apologize. I'm an idiot. You I dropped the ball on that. I did. It. I was I was waiting for those cinnamon raisin biscuits this morning, Randy. <laughs> you know, I owe you guys. I owe you big time. So what's coming then? What can we look forward to next week? <laughs> something, yeah, so, something uh, really good on Monday. Oh, you know what I've got for you guys? I've got Chick Fil A on Tuesday. Ooh. Boom! That just happened. Whew. Okay, yeah. I that you can make up with it with Chick Fil A okay. breakfast. Good. That's I'll, I'm taking care of my kids. Here's what we got coming up on this show. We're going to talk to our buddy Mark Bulger at the bottom of this, or not? No, in about 15 minutes, we're going to talk to uh, Mark Bulger, former Rams quarterback, uh, former PGA Tour pro Jay Delsing at 7:30. We're also going to talk to Joe Vitale. He's at eight. So if you usually listen to Joey at 8:15, he's at eight o'clock today. And then uh, Robbie Tommy joins us at nine o'clock. And then. Uh, Michael Lombardi, former NFL executive, is going to join us to talk about the Super Bowl at 9.30. So a busy day here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Uh, Last night, bad news from Vegas, the NFL honors. Torrey Holt denied again for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It is. I don't know. And by the way, congratulations to the people that did make the Hall of Fame. Julius Peppers, Dwight Freeney, Patrick Willis, Devin Hester, uh, and uh, Andre Johnson, wide receiver uh, from the Houston Texans, made it. I just wonder, and maybe if you're a Texans fan, you can help me with this. But I look at the body of work. I watched Torrey Holt play his entire career here in St. Louis. I look at the numbers, and I can't figure out how, from a football standpoint, you would choose Andre Johnson over Torrey Holt. Not that I don't think Andre Johnson is a Hall of Famer. Don't get this misconstrued. I think Andre Johnson is a Hall of Famer. I would have just put Torrey Holt in ahead of Andre Johnson if I had that choice this year. And oh, by the way, I would have put in Reggie Wayne ahead of Andre Johnson too. 
I was completely shocked at this. I thought for sure that this would be the time that Tory Holt gets in. Randy and Dan, the only thing I can think about is that he just continues to be a casualty of that narrative that he had so many other weapons around him and that somehow he didn't stand out amongst the rest. But Tory Holt, as we all know, he was a big point. He was a big figure of that that whole greatest show on turf. I can't understand it. It's very frustrating, as you can tell. I just don't get why they continue to overlook him in that way. It's a shame he should be in. I, he's going to get in, but as you continue to stay out, the frustration builds, and I can understand that for he and his family. Uh, I'm with you, Brooke. I think that he is a byproduct of the greatest show on turf. He will get in. It mm-hmm. just I, I hope it doesn't take five more years for him to get in. And I don't know, Brandy and Brooke, maybe you guys know who else is going on the ballot here in the next few years that would push him back. But it continues to get pushed back. He played in a different era than some of these other guys, too. That's that's also something you have to keep into consideration. But when you look at his body of work for a 10, 8 to 10 year period, there was nobody else that put up numbers, including Isaac, like Torrey Holt. OK, so Torrey had more receptions per game, more yards per game than Andre Johnson. OK, who else? What other skill position players did Andre Johnson play with when he was with the Texans? Can we name one? Torrey yeah. was playing. He was he was playing on a team that had Isaac Bruce, mm-hmm. that had Marshall Falk, that had Azakim, that had Ricky Prohl. He was getting the ball and putting up big numbers, despite the fact that there were other people that needed the football. And that's why I think that he should have gotten in. I think that him and Antonio Gates were the two biggest snubs mm-hmm. for me last night. Antonio Gates, another one that was kind of perplexing because his touchdown figures just stand out amongst the rest. 116 touchdown receptions, the most ever by a tight end in NFL history, and seventh most tu- seven most touchdown catches by any player. I think that him and Torrey Holt should have gotten in. Yeah. I just hope it doesn't take more than five years. I didn't think yeah. he was going to get in mm-hmm. last night. I, I said that uh, yesterday on our show. Mm-hmm. Just didn't have a good feeling about it. I, I, when you look at Andre Johnson being a little bit more recent, I guess, and some of the other guys. Devin Hester should be in. I, I don't think the class that they put in, any of those guys should not be in, but a casualty with this is Tory Holt, and that's unfortunate. Take it or leave it, Scott Linehan put Devin Hester in the Hall of Fame on that Monday night <laughs> here in St. Louis in 2006. I'll take that. Devin Hester it. was all over the place. unbelievable. How do you keep to that guy twice? And that's when Jeff Joniak's famous, Devin Hester, you are ridiculous. He came about on the second one. You probably know this. What is Scott Linehan up to these days? I think he went back to uh, like Idaho or something like that. He was uh, an analyst for Mizzou a couple of years ago. His son was on the staff at Mizzou and he was an analyst with the Tigers. And then I think he wound up going back to Idaho, which is where he quarterbacked and was, was a coach for a long time. Uh, and he might wind up at, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he winds up at Michigan State because John L. Or John L. Smith's son, and Linehan is a John L. Smith guy, is uh, is at Michigan State. So he'll be a coordinator like Mike Zimmer, who just got the Dallas uh, defensive coordinator job Isn't yesterday. That great. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, that just makes me happy for Mike Zimmer. It does? Oh, yeah, it does. So yeah, I, I've always kept an eye on him. Terrible. Randy. What? It is 7.06 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you're on fire! Way to go, Randy! Not. <laughs> we'll start. Uh, thank you very much. Appreciate it. What else happened uh, yeah, last night? Was... Uh, okay, well, there Comeback was... player of the year was, uh, drumroll please, Joe Flacco. Are you guys surprised about that? I picked Joe Flacco to be the comeback player of the year. I know DeMar Hamlin, obviously, great story, but when you're talking about impact on the field, Joe Flacco literally came off of his couch, 
Then he was signed to the practice squad, and then he was able to help the Browns in that way. I thought it was the right decision. Yeah, it's it, it's the correct decision. Joe Flacco is is a, a very good, solid, capable choice. I had no problem with the choices. Lamar Jackson, MVP, Christian mm-hmm. McCaffrey, Offensive Player of the Year, Miles Garrett, Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year was Offensive Rookie of the Year, C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson Jr., also of the Texans, Defensive Rookie of the Year, Kevin Stefanski, Cleveland Browns, he gets an award. Joe Flacco gets the uh, comeback player. Of the I had no problem with any of those. No. no. Did you guys? No. no. I'll be interested to see if Houston ascends next year. Because last year, the rookies of the year came from the Jets, right? And both Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner regressed. And granted, they had the quarterback situation. The, the Texans have everything going for them. I hope they ascend again next year because Will Anderson and C.J. Stroud are both studs. That staff in Houston did a magnificent job in putting together and running the draft last year. I was very impressed with the Texans and everything that they were able to do, and I'm very impressed by C.J. Stroud. He just completely crushed that narrative between him and Bryce Young. Remember the whole, all the issues with the cognitive test and what mm-hmm. that would look oh, yeah, like for point. him? That narrative is completely gone. To me, he looks fantastic, and I'm excited to see, even though they're in the AFC South, I'm still excited to see what he does. Young teams, I'm looking at Green Bay, too, on the other side. Yeah, yes. Texas and uh, The Texans and Green Bay, I think, are going to be probably teams that you look at as potential Super Bowl favorites going into next year. Green Bay, the youngest team in the league this year, and the youngest defense in the league is playing on Sunday here on 101 ESPN. Super Bowl 58, the Chiefs have the youngest defense in the league, and they take on the San Francisco 49ers. And that line just keeps changing, guys, uh, at the moment as we get ready for the game. Uh, the the Niners were a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Now they're a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Mm. I, I was shocked that they were even favored. I thought Kansas City, after what they did in the playoffs, would be the favorite going into uh, this Super Bowl, but it goes to the 49ers. The, and the 49ers have started slow in their playoff games, very mm-hmm. slow. I, I just thought that Kansas City, with what they've been through to get to this point, would be the favorite, and for what they've done in the past. And, oh, by the way, they got the best QB in the, in the league and one of the best that's ever played it in Patrick Mahomes. I was a little surprised that KC wasn't favored. I was, too. I'm guessing a lot of people still aren't fully bought in. But to your point with the 49ers, they have had to come back in games. And so it looks like they've been a little stagnant to at least start out the games. But I think it comes down to how many difference makers the 49ers have. Christian McCaffrey would be my guy. Offensive yeah. player you got to get him the ball. Mm-hmm. That's And we'll talk about this a little bit later. But if I'm... Kyle Shanahan, I'm trying to run the ball with McCaffrey. And if I'm Andy Reid, I'm trying to run the ball too. I want to keep Mahomes upright as much as possible. And I know that the Niners have had trouble getting to the quarterback as much this year as they did last year. But Tooney apparently is not going to play. The offensive tackles for for Kansas City are compromised. You know that there's going to be a plan set up by San Francisco to try to get after Mahomes. So I would try to run the ball. I would try to run Pacheco. And I think with uh, the line they have now with with uh, Smith and Taylor at the tackles and Tooney and, and Smith at the guards and, and Humphrey at center, I think that's a good run-blocking offensive line. And I th- that's the approach that I would take. And that's an obvious approach if you're San Francisco, right? Because you want to keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands, too. Just grind away and pound away at that defense as much as you can. Because he's a game-changer, and yeah. you know that. but. Is it bad that I'm also looking at the Chiefs' defense as the other big difference maker because they have been all season? In terms of units in this game, this is a big statement. The The Chiefs' defense is the best unit in this game. 
And that's a, that's a lot because the San Francisco offense is great. The Kansas City offense has some really good parts. Uh, the the San Francisco defense is terrific. I mean, you're talking about a, a Pro Bowl defensive end, a couple of Pro Bowl linebackers, a couple of uh, Pro Bowl corner, Pro Bowl safety, all pro quality guys. And they're, they're studs. But if I was to start a team and you say, okay, you can take one unit from this game, it would be the Chiefs' defense. I would take the San Francisco offense. So that's what makes this yeah. so much fun. Yeah. Yes. Um, Christian McCaffrey, I just think you got to get him the ball. And it has to start early. He has 872 yards on first downs this season. That's most among running backs. And I looked this up, six yards from scrimmage per touch. Man, that's a lot. You got to take mm-hmm. him out of the game some way, somehow. He's that good. Yeah, and I don't. It's like taking Marshall Falk out of the game. He's, exactly. He's what Marshall Falk was. He's the closest thing to Marshall since Marshall, and that's with all due respect to what Ladainian Tomlinson did in his career. But in terms of coming out of the backfield and running routes to tight ends, run and being really smart about the game. Uh, he is, he is an, uh, I guess, a Swiss Army knife. I know that's an overused term in sports, but he is. You can do anything with McCaffrey. And on the other side, Travis Kelsey, I feel like that he has really established himself yeah. recently in those games. Because there there were some concerns early on. What was the stat that you had, Dan, about how many drop passes the 44. Chiefs have had? And how many did Travis Kelsey have? Oh, I, yeah, I don't remember much. that. Yeah, yeah. It but, felt like there was quite a bit early on Yeah, from he looked him. old and slow. He did. But now... The fact that he is able to really get going, I think that's a huge difference maker for them. Too. I was looking at Travis Kelsey's numbers for the season. He still is among like the top one or two in just about every yeah. offensive yes. category. Yeah, 93 and, to catches. Yeah, and while he you know did struggle and looked slower, looked like he aged towards the second half of the season, he's turned it on in the playoffs, and he's a key right now for Kansas City, and you got to shut him down if you're San Francisco. Kind of like Cooper Cup, it's amazing to me. Because that's got to be the focus when you're a defensive coordinator. You say, okay, 87 is our primary focus here. we got to cover him. But he still gets open all the time. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Finds a way. He yep. and Mahomes find a way. Absolutely. Coming up next year on 101 ESPN, we're going to talk to former St. Louis Rams quarterback Mark Bulger. He's got some fun business interests going on down in Nicheville. Talk to him about that and more next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the opening drive on 101 ESPN with Brooke Grimsley and Dan McLaughlin. I'm Randy Carricker, and it's always good to talk to former St. Louis Rams quarterback Mark Bulger, who joins us now on 101 ESPN. Mark, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, Randy. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, we miss the Rams and we miss you here. Are you still paying really close attention? You're down in Nashville. Close attention to the National Football League? I do here and there. Uh, I became a Titans fan, believe it or not. I mean, always a Ram, but uh, Mike Vrabel and I became friends. You know, he played at Pittsburgh, and uh, but unfortunately he's gone there. But, uh, yeah, I, I watch here and there, but not as much as I used to. But who do you like in the Super Bowl on Sunday? Oh, geez. It's hard, isn't uh, it? It is. I, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer. I just – I'm rooting for San Fran, and whatever reason, I I just want San Fran to win. (laughs) (laughs) Well, is there anything to do with, because there was a recent article that I thought was really interesting by The Athletic that is titled, Why This Year's 49ers Team Reminds the Greatest Show on Turf Rams of Their Super Bowl Run. Do you see any similarities between the 49ers team, this current 49ers team, and also everything that you guys had going on with the Rams back then? I do. uh, You know, I know Purdy, he's pretty 
popular now, but uh, I just like he kind of has the Kurt Warner story, and he's a really good player. And uh, you know, there's nothing like being quote unquote the underdog, and I their roster's pretty strong. Uh, you know, but the Chiefs, I mean, you can never count out Mahomes. I mean, that kid. Kid, that's how old I'm getting. Uh, yeah, he uh, he steps up every big game. When you evaluate watching QBs, tell us a little bit about Brock Purdy. What do you, what do you see with him? He can definitely move a lot better than than I could. Uh, Coach Marks, we were more um, old school, and you know uh, everything was timing. But he can make plays similar to Mahomes, but. I like his confidence. He's not uh, he's not arrogant, but he he definitely has a swag to him. Mark, wouldn't it have been nice to have the rules where quarterbacks couldn't be hit when you were playing? I think I'd still be playing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all these. It's I don't even know if these anyone now can take a snap from under center in, in college, let alone the pros. But hey, it is what it is. Um, I, if I ever went back and coached, which I won't, I would start a under center offense again and defenses wouldn't know what to do. What would you do out of under center? What would your plan be? Put a fullback in and put a tailback in and you run the ball and you do play action and you do the timing like coach March did. I think the most underrated coach ever, um, you know, and, and, and the defensive coordinators wouldn't know what to do because no one does it right now. Hey, Mark, uh, Torrey Holt up for the Hall of Fame. What did he mean to your career, especially when you were getting started in 02? What, what was Torrey to Mark Bulger? Oh, he was great. I mean, not only Torrey, Isaac Bruce, too, but Torrey, uh, he accepted me because, I mean, they just came off a Super Bowl win and we had a Super Bowl loss. And then um, I had to take over when Kirk got hurt. And he accepted me and we just had a relationship. And then it became off the field too and it was visual on the field i didn't have to give him a bunch of signals we kind of knew okay this guy's pressing him it's third and one we're taking a shot so it it was non-verbal because we just had such that good communication and he was uh he's definitely special and hopefully he gets in quicker than i think isaac who snubs so many times thank god he's in but uh tory's a special special person and player Walk us back through that moment. You took over, as you mentioned there, after Kurt Warner got hurt. How intimidating was that locker room? As you mentioned, just so many Hall of Famers now in there. You have Marshall Falk, Orlando Pace, Isaac Bruce. The list goes on and on. What was that like? Well, the year before I had been cut, and I was, you know, Isaac Bruce was on my fantasy team. (laughs) So my first snap ever was on the – one yard line against the Raiders. We were zero and five, I believe, and the Raiders were six and zero because of a bye week or something. And I'm on the one yard line with these guys. I go, what? What did I get myself into? But we went right down and scored a touchdown. And those guys couldn't have been better to me. And we had, we had a pretty much a family back back in those years. When you watch Mahomes play, and we talked about Purdy. If you could pinpoint a thing or two with him that separates him from the rest, what is it? What stands out? With Mahomes, he just he can make plays, and he's been in the same system now for multiple years. And I used to say that about Brady too. It, it helps when you have continuity in, in the 
team system. It's not learning a different language every year because coaches don't learn a different language, but they expect players to, <laughs> which, which I never understand because they have their sheet in front of their faces. But Purdy, eventually he'll uh, – I mean, he's a great player already, but once he gets a couple more years in, he'll, he'll be on the same level as Mahomes, I believe. Speaking of great quarterbacks, what was it like working with Kurt Warner back then? It was great. He, again, that's, we had a family, and he took care of our locker room, and he took care of me and taught me, and I, I, I just tried to be a sponge when I was around him because he was the league MVP when I came in and was back up for a year. And, uh, he couldn't have been better and more gracious for, with me and helped me go along. And then, obviously, when he left the Rams, he – did a lot better better things in Arizona. I mean, the Giants, small hiccup, but I mean, he he couldn't have been better uh, mentor for me. And Mark, when you look at guys like Kurt and you you look at Mahomes, I think from their first Super Bowl, the only starter left on offense with him is Travis Kelsey. Uh, th- th- there are certain guys that are able to elevate the players around them. What do you think it is about people like that? And by the way, we had some guys come in here that had their best years with Mark Bulger at quarterback too. What is it about some guys that just have the ability to elevate the players that are around them? Again, it's the continuity. It's the trust. Um, I mean, the Tory Holt, how I mentioned before, I, I could just look at him and I, I, I feeling that, uh, you know, Mahomes and Kelsey, they can just look at each other and they don't even have to communicate verbally or, uh, you know, by sign, you know, our, our signals and all that, they can just look at each other and know exactly what's going to happen. So it's these teams, you know, I won't mention any of it that they keep, switching coaches and switching players and think that's going to be the fix. That's not how it works in the NFL. you got to keep the same base, and uh, I think that's the key. Mark Bolger is our guest, the former Rams QB. What keeps you busy these days? What keeps you going? Oh, gosh. Uh, my daughter's first and foremost. <laughs> um, so, you know, i got a 13- and a 10-year-old. i got a curling facility here in Nashville. Uh, has bowling and a restaurant. The city's pretty cool. I don't know how much you guys get down here, but if you do, I want to teach you how to curl. Uh, <laughs> the Olympic sport, if people aren't too aware of it, it's crazy. I got with Jared Allen, and um, we trained for the Olympics, and I got too old. I can't do it anymore, so I just built one here instead, and uh, it, it's a great time. So I, I invite all three of you to come down anytime you want. We'd love to. And by the way, Jared has a chance, right, to be on the USA Olympic curling team? He does. He's still he's a little younger than me, but he's gotten really, really good. He trains here about four days a week in the mornings. Uh, and, I, I, you know, I'll curl with him, but uh, I'm, I'm nowhere near as good as he is now. But at least I, I cannot fall. That's what I'm happy about. <laughs> <laughs> now, I would think, and one of the things that, I, I, in reading a story about that, one of the things that Jared had said in looking for an Olympic sport was something that you can do at a relatively advanced age. You're 46 now. You aren't You aren't old. Why are you too old for curling? I'm telling you, with curling, it's, it, it, it turned into my kids and travel. You have to, he was just in Switzerland for two weeks. It, it's, it's a lot of travel and you know, in 46, 46, I'm, I live in dog years, Randy. Come on. I, <laughs> you saw me get beat up those years. I'm, I did. I did. <laughs> my, my back's about done. So, yeah, it, it, it was just the travel. And um, 
all that, but it's still enjoyable. We have, we have, we get actually more women than men curling in here. Um, but I, I've seen 65 year old guys beat the crap out of 25 year old kids in curling. That's, it's kind of like a golf sport. You, you know, it, they, uh, it doesn't matter age or, or gender. How did it all start curling for Mark Bulger? I had moved here at the same time as Jared Allen, and then he called Keith Bullock and Mike Roos, two other NFL guys. And he hadn't made a bet. I don't even know what he did. And I, I really didn't know Jared that well, but he said, I want to go to the Olympics. I said, okay. And he told me badminton. I said, okay. <laughs> so I, I looked it up for two days. I called him back. I said, Jared, well, there's zero chance we're going to do that. He goes, okay, give me a couple, you know, couple days. And he said, curling. And we said, okay. And actually, that year, the U.S. team won the, their Olympic uh, gold out of the blue. So we, we had started before the U.S. Uh, won the, the gold. But uh, that's how it started. It was all Jared Allen. I, I never in a million years would have thought I'd be curling. So now with T-Line, with the facility that you have down in Nashville, do you have Olympic hopefuls that are coming in and spending time there and, and getting ready to be Olympic athletes? Sure. I mean, well, Jared's here, his team, uh, three of them already won um, silver medal and one won a gold medal. And they come in and they train all the time for, for his team. But uh, we've had, you know, the guy with the mustache, everyone knows, Matt Hamilton and Schuster. And they just won the Nationals. They, they've been in here curling many times. And um, so the goal is to try to get more events here and get our eyes to the level where you know, we have national events and they're on TV and it'll be great. Okay. So with all of the success and as great as the family is doing and as great as your facility is doing, I have to believe that the Mark Bulger golf game has taken a hit. Now I know you're great, but when you don't play a lot, does it affect you? Has your golf game taken a hit because of all this time you're spending doing other, (laughs) other things? I get to play maybe once a month. Um, but it's so weird. I, I play once a month and I play better golf than I used to when I was playing, you know, 14, 15 days a month. So I stick with this method, just <laughs> go up and hit the ball and no, I don't need lessons. I've never had a lesson in my life golf and I just get up and hit the ball and it's, it's actually helped my golf game, not playing as much. So. Good for you. I I don't know that I could do that, Mark. I th- for some reason, I, I'm Ranger Randy. I, I get out there and I hit balls and I get out on the course and I suck. So maybe the thing that I need to do is go to the once, once a month uh, situation that you've got going. Maybe that'll make me better. You should, because then I go do a charity event. It'll be three, four days in a row and I can't get out of bed because my back's so sore, Randy. So there's <laughs> I'm going to stick to the once-a-month once method. <laughs> hey, we talked about how much you, uh, you you got beat up, and you said you aren't going to coach. Do you miss football? Uh, I miss the locker room we had uh, my first six, seven years. Um, that, that was the most fun part. Um, but, you know, Monday mornings, Tuesday mornings, they weren't, they weren't the best. But, um, you know, after 30-something broken bones, I, I think I've – I don't miss it that much. And you, the thing that people might not realize, not only did you have 30-something broken bones, but you were playing with a lot of broken bones. Oh, yeah. I played with a lot of – I think the rules were a little different back then when you, you did the injury report. I played with broken ribs all the time. But if you can't – back then we didn't put on the injury report because 
then the other team would know it. And oh, just taking a snap would would hurt. It was um, it is what it is. But uh, I wouldn't. I don't regret one thing about it. I had a great time in St. Louis. Hey, uh, last thing. Uh, w- you got to play with a ton of Hall of Famers. Uh, you didn't get to play for Coach Vermeil, obviously, but you got a chance to play with Aeneas and Isaac and uh, Marshall and, and Orlando. Uh, what's it mean to you to have played with what is arguably the greatest offense in the history of the league? They're all great guys. I mean, everyone was so different, but we all, again, like I said, family. I mean, towards the end of my career, not that these guys were bad guys. It was just a different locker room. I mean, guys like Timmerman and Dre Bly and, you know, the, the list goes on. Leonard Little, we all just got along so well. And then towards the end, it went off. But Vermeil, he came back, uh, Coach Vermeil, we, uh, Isaac Bruce put this thing on at the Dome, and uh, he treated me like I played for him. And he was the nicest guy in the world. And as I said, it was playing for Coach Martz was the bigger, biggest honor football-wise in my life because he taught me more about football than – I did the last seven years of my career. Okay, and so you're you're rooting for San Francisco. You aren't picking San Francisco, but you're rooting for San Francisco just because you like them. Oh, I think you can figure out why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't want to. No, just want to watch football. I don't want all the other stuff. Let's <laughs> leave it at that. <laughs> Sounds good. Hey, uh, Mark, it's great to hear your voice. If people are making their way to Nashville, check out T-Line with both curling and bowling and, and great food and drink. It's great to hear your voice. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl, and hopefully we'll catch up soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, Randy. That's our buddy Mark Bulger here on 101 ESPN. I think you can figure it out. I just want to watch football is what he said. Is That's his reason for rooting for the 49ers. What is that? What mean? is it all about, Randy? Yeah. Uh, what got? I, I couldn't have figured it out until he said, "I just want to watch football." He doesn't. Mark doesn't want to watch the twenty-four seconds of Taylor Swift. Oh, maybe is that, that is what it, it is. Uh-huh. I think so. Have we figured out how many prop bets she's going to be a part of? We haven't, yes. but we will. Okay, we need to so get that going. Here's the thing about Mark, and Mark hated the fact that the Rams were moved because, like, because he grew up a Steelers fan. It's he grew up with caring, like we did as football Cardinal fans. All we cared about was what happened between the white lines. We didn't need giant screens, and we didn't need uh, huge concourses. All we need to do was sit in a seat and watch a football game. And I, I kind of like that old school approach. Now, the NFL has gotten totally away from that approach, but I like the, fo- the, the old approach when uh, football was the thing. That makes a lot of sense. You don't like pools and stadiums? You don't like all that different kind of stuff, Randy? I don't think it's necessary. <laughs> You could bet in the stadium now. That's an important thing for the National Football League. Making sure that you Mm -hmm. had good internet inside the stadium. I have good memories of Spartan conditions. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I I, I remember going to Dan Deardorff's last game in 1983, and it was zero degrees and snowing. It was awesome. It was great. I remember going to, I actually miss the Cardinals more than I miss the Rams. I think most people do. I'm the same way. I went with my dad as a youngster, and I just remember those cold days at Bush Stadium. I loved it. My favorite memories. My favorite memories as a kid, going to the exact same thing that you just said, going to football Cardinal games with my dad. Yeah. it's I miss him every single day, and I miss that. Yeah. That's something I think about a lot. So, And, Brooke, you're especially, and I, this is not 
I'm not joking. Mm-hmm. You grew up when Jeff Fisher was winning, and it was old school, and it was about football. <laughs> that was a great time in the Jeff Fisher era yeah. to have with the Titans, but that is the whole reason that I began to love sports. One, playing tennis, but two, just having those moments with my father. And to mm-hmm. this day, anything that the Titans do, he will call me right away. When they got rid of Mike Vrabel, when they hired Callahan, he calls me, and those are the longest phone conversations. So it's just yeah. a very special bond to have. And I love that your dad's all in with the jerseys and the, the gear. <laughs> yes, and wide check. It's, it's awesome. George, yeah. It's great. Coming up, Jay Delsing here on 101 ESPN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Randy and Jay Delsing, our buddy, Golf with Jay Delsing, Sunday mornings, 8 to 10, here on 101 ESPN. And he joins us every Friday morning. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Good morning, guys. I'm doing great. What a fun interview with Mark Bulger. What a really good guy and a really good golfer. I'm going to, uh, I told these guys this quick story, and I, I'm going to take 30 seconds of your time here. One time, Mark was traveling out of town, and he sat by the USO office here at Lambert Field and uh, was just talking to one of the USO guys, and the guy was showing him around, and he said, yeah, we're upgrading. We need $100,000. A few days later, Mark Bulger uh-huh. walks in with a check for $100,000 to fund the upgrades to the USO uh-huh. facility here at Lambert Field and never told anybody. Nobody, nobody knew about it. Just quietly gave a hundred grand to the USO here in St. Louis. He's, he's a prince. He's a great guy. He's so humble, Randy. I can remember when we um, were were doing an event together, and he said, "If I had to play golf on Monday or Tuesday in the NFL, he goes, I I couldn't possibly swing the club." We had a pretty leaky offensive line at, mm-hmm. uh, from time to time for him, and he was getting tossed around pretty good back there. Well, I know that we're going to get into the waste management, but I wanted to start, though, with the other big news that Tiger Woods announcing this week that he will be playing in the Genesis Invitational, his first PGA Tour start of the year. What are you excited to see about Tiger's return this season? Brooke, there's a lot going on. He's going to he's going to unveil a new closed deal. I think it's what Taylor made. Um, he doesn't have a great track record at Riviera. Um, Riviera, one of the most iconic stops on the PGA Tour. He's never played particularly well there, but one of the strategic reasons he is playing there is a very easy golf course to walk. So um, hopefully the weather will get um, better out in Southern Cal and um, we get four days of Tiger. I mean, I don't know, man. I just like watching anything he does. It it, it just, um, I want to see what kind of speed he has. I want to see what his body looks like after, you know, a couple of days, he's going to have to play in a pro-am and navigate a bunch of that stuff. So, yeah, 
Yes, yeah, there'll be cameras everywhere, and I'll, I'll sure be watching. Jay, from uh, your perspective, is the waste management outside the majors the most entertaining golf event for not only fans but for the players too? Oh, Danny Mac, it is. It's more entertaining than the majors. I mean, just because it's people can relate to it so much. I don't know if you guys saw the the dude the other day walking out of the waste management at like. Uh, like 11.30 in the morning with his wedding dress yeah. on. He had a white wedding dress on and a big, long veil. And, you know, Brooke, there's, you could take some notes. I know you got a big day coming up. This oh, guy had a yeah, really like dress. <laughs> yeah, he had a really good-looking dress on. And um, the waste management, you guys, uh, back in 92, I was I, – um, I finished off a good Saturday, and so I was in the last group on Sunday. And as I – one of the last players to leave the course on Saturday evening, and there were more spectators coming in for the party that night. This place has been a a party since the Phoenix Open began, and they had a, a place called the Bird's Nest, which was this little bar that started off very small, and it's turned into a, just a – I mean, it's it's like a rock show, and it's a, there's a lot of stuff going on uh, in, in, in Scottsdale right now. It, it is a fun event. The 16th is a blast to play in front of. With that being the case, they're going to have bad weather apparently down there all weekend long. How will that affect this tournament? Do you think guys will be off of their game because of rain and wind in Scottsdale? Oh, it's it's difficult. When you it, it's surprising how cold the desert can get. You guys, I know it sounds crazy, but when 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 it is not sunny and it can get very windy, it is extremely cold out. And we used to always get a frost delay in the mornings, but then by the afternoons when the weather was good, you know, it'd be in the upper seventies, but it's going to be, it's going to be very tough. The golf courses will play much, much different than it typically does. The ball historically goes, you know, zips quite a bit when it gets warm in, in Phoenix. And with these temperatures, the cold wind, the rains. So it was Phoenix and, and even Vegas, which I'm curious about the Super Bowl, is they kind of get the remnants of the, the weather that, that comes through Southern Cal and Southern Cal's just been pummeled with rain and storms. So, It'll be interesting to see, and yeah, the, the now the the rain will soften the golf course up, so the guys the scores will still probably be pretty low, but I don't expect them to be, you know, like they have been in the past couple of years. So they might touch twenty under, but I'm not sure what the forecast looks like. But it's been brutal so far. While some players seem to have moved on with some of the players leaving to go to the Lift Tour, it seems like others are still being very vocal on what it should look like if they do come back, some of those Lift players. I don't know if you saw Scotty Scheffler's recent quote, but he said, I think there should be a pathway back for them, but they definitely shouldn't be able to come back without any sort of contribution to the tour, if that makes any sense. What do you think that he means by that? Oh, they're going to... Well, first of all, they don't want these guys that took all this money to be able to roll right back in and, and just play a regular schedule um, without some sort of some sort of compensation somewhere or another, Brooke. I don't know. I mean, there's so much going on behind the scenes right now, you guys, with this new PGA Tour Enterprises, with you know $1.5 billion being separated between 100 or distributed throughout 193 players. I mean... It, it, it's so messy. It's so there's more questions than there are answers. But when, when there's there will be a pathway back when we when our commissioner sits down with the, the PIF and they finally work something out, there'll be a pathway back. There's probably going to be a hell of a lot more money thrown at this sport by the Saudis 
and it's probably got to go back to the PGA Tour and probably even to some of these players. And it's 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 almost getting insane. Now it's insane. All this money, <laughs> it's just it's just I, I it's it's not even. I mean, seven hundred and fifty million dollars, you guys. is going to be distributed between thirty six players. Really? How much do you think Tiger? And Rory, how do you leave Jack Nicholas out? But I'm sure they'll, they'll, Jack will get something, but nothing compared to these other guys. I, I just don't know how much money Rory's going to get, Tiger's going to get. Who, Scotty Scheffler's been world number one for, you know, how, how, how does this shake out? And if you're number 37 and you got left out of that huge pot and you get tossed back into the pot that only has to, you know, split up 30 million. How does that work out? I, I mean, I just don't understand any of them. Number 16 at the Waste Management has had over 14,000 attempts for a hole-in-one. Our guest, Jay Delsing, has one of them. Only a handful have been hit. It's one of the great holes in golf. The Coliseum sitting, place goes nuts. Uh, what happened on your hole-in-one on 16? Well, I got really lucky, Dan. I was probably trying to hit a fade, and I hit a hook, and it went right in the hole. I was standing, I'll never forget this, I was. I, I teed my ball up and I don't remember who I was playing with, but the, the people, the, the, the spectators are right on top of you. I mean, there's not that much room there. So as I typically do, I, I stood behind my ball and I, and I hear some, somebody behind me say, who's this guy? <laughs> and he didn't exactly use all those words. And, and um, his friend said, I have no idea, but I'll bet you five bucks he misses a green. <laughs> and, you know, that's not unusual with the way that I grew up playing golf with my friends. We were, we, we tried to follow the rules of golf, but the etiquette, you know, we were, we were, we, we talked a little trash. And so I was kind of, I just kind of grinned and, and I happened to hit a shot. I hit a good shot. It happened to go in the hole. The, the, it was a Saturday The the pin was in the front left and the place went crazy. So my first reaction was to turn around and look at who, who are these two guys, you know, and which one of you said that? And I just got the beer shower. There were just, it's my, <laughs> it, it, it was, it was just unbelievable. My caddy says to me, dude, you want a car? And I look over to my left and there's a car on the tee. This is how bad the PGA tour was back in the day, you guys. So and my caddy says to me, can I have the car? I said, of course you cannot have the car. Carry the bag and good luck in the caddy races. Because at the time, I don't know if you guys knew this, I know Randy and Danny, you probably do, Brooke, they used to have caddy races. So after the three players would hit, the caddies would line up on the front end of the back tee, and someone would say, on your mark, get set, go, and the caddies would haul butt towards the green, carrying the golf bag and see who could touch the green first. And that ended when one of the caddies blew out their ankle. But that's a different story. So as, as we're walking towards the green, I look back at this car, and on the front left windshield, there's a small three-by-five card on there that says Sunday only. Mm. So I didn't make the hole-in-one on the right day. So I did not get the car either. My caddy didn't get the car. I didn't get the car. But it was a thrill, you guys. I had never had applause like that in my career at all. And the, the people were, they might have been a little. Um, Inebriated? Along their way. Yeah, they were having a good time. But um, uh, it, it was something I'll never forget. Jay, who do you two have on the show? You and Danny have on the show on Sunday. You know, we're just breaking down c- kind of some of the the happenings that are going on. Basically, this this new uh, pool of money and 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 what it all means. And so, Danny and I are just you know we're we're just breaking down golf and talking about 
a Wyndham Clark shooting 60 at Pebble Beach and Wyndham. things like that. Yeah, good. That's yeah, good. Wyndham. Wyndham. You got you to gotta get the Wyndham Clark who goes and plays with Biff and Tad at the club. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Ascots and the whole Thurston Hall the third and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there's no North County there. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Nope. We'll be tuned in. Jay, thanks so much. We appreciate it. How many people do you guys know that are called Wyndham? <laughs> Not <One>. many. <laughs> Not yeah. One, just Wyndham Clark. And I think a yeah. hotel chain, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Have a great day, guys. Thank Jay, you. Jay, here. Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text in for Take It or Leave It. 314-399-9646. 6314 Yo-ho! Yo-ho! Next on, we, got we got it in. We got it in. That's my thank one. You, thank you, Dan. No problem. Uh, <laughs> Tioli next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text in to 314 399 and give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Hey, as you're going to work today, please stop by uh, Hardee's for our Rise and Shine fundraiser. All participating Hardys in the bi-state area are going to have a sausage biscuit or egg biscuit for just a buck. 100% of the proceeds of all funds collected to help heat up St. Louis, supporting people in need in both Missouri and Illinois. This morning, head to Hardy's and pick up a sausage or egg biscuit for a dollar and help people that can't afford to heat their home, heat their home during this winter here in St. Louis. Uh, kids, last night, Matthew's Nuggets were playing the Lakers. And I was rooting for the Nuggets. Take it or leave it. You'll run around today and you'll see cats chasing dogs. <sighs> why were you uh, rooting for the Nuggets? Thank you for asking. I don't know why, but I have developed this disdain for LeBron James. He wasn't and, traded last night. He wasn't. I just, and, and I was a LeBron fan. I even defended it uh, to an extent. I, I defended the decision. I, I, and I still like the way he plays, but I'm just tired of it. It was Kobe uh, statue night. I know that was the Kobe statue. To me, that would have been the problem is that, you know, there's so much talk of him dictating where he wants to Mm -hmm. be. Yeah. That that would have taken away the attention of Kobe statue night. Yeah. Not only that, but I mean, saying that Bronny James could play for the Lakers right now. I get that he's proud of his son, but come on. Uh, That's just not real. And. All of this GM stuff, you know, he, he he says, I don't, he is the GM, and then he says he's not the GM, and then when things aren't going his way, he blasts, not blasts, but he takes these veiled shots at the front office, and the, just the little things like the, the hourglass tweet last week, unnecessary, yes. the, yeah. the cryptic stuff. I'm that was unnecessary it. for sure. So anyway, I've, I've developed a, a level of uh, dislike for for LeBron. And you do consider him still one of the greats, though. One of the two best of all time. I And I 100% agree with you, but I also agree with what you're saying. One of the things that bothered me when we're talking about NBA and the whole load management situation is that he was a part of that. You're supposed to be the leader, the face of the NBA, and then there, you saw him sitting out games where he wasn't injured, and he also had other players with him who were sitting out, because if he's the leader and he's and he's leading by example, those other guys are going to follow. Right. So you guys do expect to see cats chasing dogs? 
dogs today as you drive around? I'll take it. Okay, good. I, I'll 100% take it. <laughs> you don't <laughs> I wasn't rooting for the Nuggets last night. Really? I kind of wanted the Lakers to get the win on that. Weird. Like, I, I was, because of Kobe Because statue. of the Kobe statue. Oh, yeah. That's cool. That's fine. I, and they were wearing the Kobe jerseys did, and stuff. I didn't want Jokic to, to ruin it, actually. Question yeah. for you guys. Did you like the statue? Yes. Great statue. Yes. That, that is quintessential Kobe right there. Thank you. There was yeah. a lot of people who were upset about it, and Vanessa made a statement prior that this is the statue that he wanted. Yeah, and, and that the family perfect. picked out, and yes. that they had pictures of that, and that's what they wanted, for exactly. sure. Exactly. I think it's perfect. So take it or leave it, guys. Super Bowl weekend is always very fun, especially when you're waiting to see the commercials. But take it or leave it, I don't like when they show the commercials prior to the Super Bowl. They shouldn't be doing that. I'm going to take it. I guess it's the maximum publicity they can get, and I'm with you. I'd rather be surprised on Super Bowl Sunday. I I like being surprised. That was so much fun prior, I guess you could say, to YouTube and all that when they would put it out there and social media. I liked being surprised, and then you still could play it a million times after that. Right. I don't know why you have to release it beforehand. And you will see it a million times after that, too. Yes, exactly. And is it 700 grand for a 30-second, I think, 1.4 million a minute? Wow, is that what it is? Yeah, I think so. Might be more. While you look that up, I'll go take it or leave it. Travis Kelsey averaged 66 receiving yards per game. Best in the National Football League. The tight end, average, 22 yards. With the postseason, he's on. He will have above 66 yards receiving in this weekend Super Bowl. 66 yards receiving? Yeah, I'm going to take it. I'll take it, too. Yeah. yeah. He'll, he'll do that. I think this is going to be a big game for him. Although, he, there's probably no pair of inside linebackers to cover the middle of the field better than Greenlaw and Fred Warner. Mm-hmm. But he gets open. I way, love Fred Warner. He's yes. great. He's, he's a stud. $7 million for a 30-second. So, uh, $7 million for a 30-second spot for the Super Bowl. $7 million? Yeah. So, million? yeah. It's a lot of cash. It is. But some of these uh, entities can afford it, and it works for them. It does. It makes it worth it. Yeah. So, uh, Matthew, what do we got? Take it or leave it. We just figured out where Wyndham Clark was conceived. Wyndham. In the backseat of a BMW at Plaza Frontenac? <laughs> no, at the Wyndham. Oh, yes, sir. Take it. It's right there. You of all people. Oh, no. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> What's the next take it or leave it, Rock? Come take on. Take it or leave it. The first, the first week. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It doesn't get any better than that. I need something better than the, just a little chuckle. I like, I like, that was, that's the best the BMW, material. The BMW. Well, you you Randy. Is that better? You paint a vivid picture. All right? You paint a vivid picture. We so better. She just moves on to the next thing. She gets it. Like, move on. Time to move on. The best material I got. <laughs> um. No. <laughs> that, that, take it or leave it. The first week of the season, Matt Carpenter draws a bases loaded game winning walk, and all is right with the world again. In in uh, the first? Bases loaded. First week of the season. I bet he gets uh, an opening day uh, huge ovation, first of all, but I bet he pinch hits on opening day. Especially will, if the game is especially if the game is out of reach one way or another. I will take He will that. get a pinch hit appearance. He will get will a pinch hit that. appearance, but last year 0 for thirteen in the pinch for the Padres. 13 at-bats. It's the only 13 at-bats, Randy. Yeah, 17 plate appearances. He did have four walks, so congratulations there. That's a mini sample size. Uh-huh. Take it or leave it. Three Cardinals make the All-Star game. Oh, I'll take it. 100%. Who do you oh, have? I have Lynn, Gibson, and Gray. Really? Who do you no. really take? No. I was like, <laughs> really? <laughs> Come on. Okay, so I'm going to go with Jordan Walker. I'm going to okay. go with Nolan Arenado. 
And I'm going to go with uh, your guy, Sonny Came Home. Sonny Gray. Mm -hmm. How about Wilson Contreras? I would like it. And I'll go with uh, Nolan Arenado. Good call. I like Wilson Contreras and Nolan Arenado and Jordan Walker. But what about another outlier in Brendan Donovan? Oh, Donnie Baseball. That's a good call. Very good call. Yeah, he could be leading the league in OPS by the or uh, on base percentage by the time we get to that. Come on, let's do one more. I know you want us to do a commercial, but who cares about money? No, no, we have to do a commercial. <laughs> it's only money. No, we have to do a commercial. Oh, uh, one more. Okay. No, I don't have one, one more. more. We have to do a commercial. Okay. Oh, because com- oh, you know what? At 8 o'clock. Hold on. We've got Joey V. We've got Joey V. So we need time for Joey V. He's next on 101 ESPN. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The Blues finally return to action on Saturday, tomorrow, in Buffalo, a noon game, 11 o'clock pregame here on 101 ESPN. And then they also play Super Bowl Sunday at Montreal, and that's a noon game. Evidently, they don't care about the Super Bowl in Canada. Joey V joins us now here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Hey, Randy, what's up with this? A hockey game on Super Bowl Sunday? Not, not a fan of it, but at least they moved it up to 1 o'clock uh, East Coast time, 12 o'clock our time, so... Hopefully we'll be out of there at a good time. I know the team's staying in Montreal that night, so I, I would imagine we're going to settle up at some some restaurant to watch the game. But uh, you know what? There, there are worse things in the world, no doubt. Yeah, there are. Okay, so uh, in your history of Super Bowl parties, what is your go-to Super Bowl party menu food? What's the number one thing, the staple for Joe Vitale's Super Bowl party? Oh, man, I tell you what, the one thing I look forward to probably more than anything uh, is you know those little mini dogs and those those, those uh, the slow cooker. You, yeah, you ever have those? Yeah, those, yeah, I love I them. Those, those are fantastic. I, I love just getting a toothpick and I, I trade out the toothpick for like a big spoon and they just like just pot them up and just go to town on them. I mean, listen, anything, anything's good. You know, uh, I'm getting used to watching the Super Bowl with with the group of the the Blues guys. Obviously, instead of you know family and friends, unfortunately, you know another another year where you're kind of on the road and and you adopt you adopt the the road crew and the and the hockey ops guys as your own because that's where you typically end up watching games this season. So I think we'll go to a restaurant, and order a couple pints if you will, and then uh, enjoy the game. Should be fun. Who are you picking to win, Joey? Well, I got a wager with my son. He, he see, he's at the age where he knows everything. You know, that's, that's <laughs> an eleven-year-old boy. You know, and he's like, Niners got this. No, no, no prayer. I go, are you kidding me? Like, and I start going into KC and Mahomes and all the obviously the the winning tradition there lately and experience matters. And so we put we put a hard twenty bucks down on it, and then I, f- I found that that wasn't really good enough because when you give an eleven-year-old money, uh, they just you know, waste on candy, and then of course he doesn't even have twenty bucks, so it doesn't really do anything for me anyway. So the wager became: we got these two big trees in our front yard. They, they drop all these gumballs about this time of the year. You know, what I'm talking about these, these these awesomely horrible trees where they drop these little <laughs> yeah. spiky balls, like from Mario, Mario Brothers. And our whole front yard is just loaded with these spiky balls. So the wager is that. If Casey wins, 
he has to pick up all these spiky balls in our front yard. If the Niners win, then I got to do it while he sits back on a lawn chair and watches. I like that. I like That's it. Good. I like it a lot. That's pretty yeah. good. Uh, let me ask you about the Blues. 33 games to go. What are you expecting here in the stretch run? Well, I think, you know, 33 games, Danny Mack, I think the next 14, probably the next 10 are going to look at, but probably dictate the season and the direction of this team and where, where they go. I mean, listen, they're on, they're on the inside right now. Uh, they're a couple points to being right back on the outside. Uh, it's been that close. It's been uh, a juggernaut of a conference where they're in, they're out, and it's going to be like that to the very end. So I say the next 10 games are super, super crucial because they, they made some headway before the break. Now it's sitting five games over 500. You know, if you go on this next road trip, games on the road, Buffalo, Toronto, Montreal, you can easily go one and two or 0 and three and then just give them all right back. So super crucial road trip coming up. I think the next 10 games are certainly going to have a massive impact on the direction that Doug Armstrong feels about where his team, where the direction the team is going in. I think he's already kind of a lot of his decisions are semi-made up at this point. So it's going to kind of be up to the players to kind of give this general manager a, a very tough job ahead of them to which direction do you move into? Because this team is good enough to make the playoffs. And I said it before, I'll say it again, not only getting in, but I think this team is definitely good enough to steal around. They got the goaltending and I think they got something special here with the experience of a lot of Stanley cup champions, where to me, it's still a very um, interesting group and a wild card group when you look at the entire conference. So uh, for them, keep winning, keep doing what they're doing. And then hopefully uh, they squeeze in and, and make some noise. Who was a player, and we were discussing this the other day, but who was a player in the first half of the season that you were hoping to see a little bit more from that you know will need to do more now in the second half as we were talking about in these next 33 games for that playoff push? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I mean, I think that Pavel Buchnevich is going to be an interesting player moving forward. You know, there's so much going on with Bucci. Um, obviously, you know, he is one of their best players. He's one of their best offensive players, especially on that top line. I think he's gone through stretches where he's been extremely dynamic offensively. And even when his game offensively slides a little bit, he's so good defensively, uh, which makes him such a, an intricate piece to this group about his 200-foot game, how he shuts games down, how he makes good decisions at right moments. He's just a player that, you know, the manager really trusts putting out there every single time. Now, he's gone through some ups. He's gone through he's a little bit of injury earlier this year. Say that I think that this is going to be a player that certainly has to continue to find a new level with that top line because you know Thomas has been on a great run. I think Cairo can be, you know, very, very spotty at times, but he can get on a run as well. So Buchnevich to me is, is that winger that really drives that line. You know, you bring up another situation where what else is going on in his world? Well, you know, he's an unrestricted free agent after next season. So he's got one more year with the Blues after this year, but he's a UFA after this year. So you know, does he become an interesting piece of the deadline? To me, he becomes a very interesting piece of the deadline. You know, have conversations happened with Butch Davis's agent uh, and general manager Doug Armstrong? But potentially, does he want to stay here? Uh, what will it take to keep him here? You know, he's a point-per-game player, which is incredible. Uh, will he deserve, you know, $8, $9 million at one point? I think so. But then keep an eye on what Kyrie and Thomas make. They make that $8 million mark. Is he going to make more than Kyrie and Thomas? I, I don't know. So there's so many different question marks up in the air with the Pavel Buchnevich. And I know his name's definitely out there in the circuit as far as one of the top guys at this trade deadline uh, to keep an eye on. So I say for all those reasons, I think Buchnevich to me is going to be the intricate piece uh, in the second half and especially over the next couple weeks. Joey is a fan. I love to see the, the players returning to the Olympics. From their perspective, though, is that something that they like and look forward to? 
Oh, my gosh, 100%. And for different reasons, Dan. You know, I remember I was a part of the 14 group in Pittsburgh when they went to Sochi. And, you know, of course, I didn't participate in the Olympics. But, you know, we had seven, eight players that did. Um, the players that go love it because you're representing your country. Um, you're hoping for a great destination. And when you look at a place like Sochi, no disrespect, but I think any other place other than Sochi will be a positive thing. That was a tough, tough city. It was still being built when the Olympics were happening. It wasn't a terrific situation. So I think the the, the, new, the newer cities certainly are going to be better for the players' situations when they go over there. And any time you have a chance to represent your country, it means a ton. I mean, I remember playing with Sid and him going over there when he was playing in Vancouver and, of course, the Golden Goal. I mean, the anticipation, the excitement around the Olympics, it, it really does mean a lot to these players who go. And for the players that don't have the honor to go, it's, it's a great little reset for them here. You know, we're talking about a two-and-a-half, three-week break compared to like a uh, you know, 10-day break, which you get for All-Star. It's about a three-week stretch where these players really have a nice time in the middle of the year just to get a like reset, get away. Sometimes players are banged up to get healthy or just to kind of get away. You know, I remember, remember those years again as well, and it's just, it really is nice. It's very similar to what they do in Europe. You know, European pro hockey, they, believe it or not, they start early August. They go like six, eight weeks. Then they take like a month off. Then they go another six, eight weeks, take a month off. So it's kind of the way their schedule works over there. And it really does benefit a lot of players from a health standpoint and from a really good, you know, pushing that final stretch of the season where they are, they feel rested and recovered. So I would expect a good rest and recovery ratio for all the teams in those Olympic years for the players who don't go. And I, I think at the end of the day, it just brings so much excitement and it, and it promotes the game, which is which is incredible. Joey, speaking of Europe, European airline Finnair has decided to start collecting data about the average weight of customers. And before people are boarding Finnair airplanes, they are being weighed. Thumbs up or thumbs down on this practice? Oh, man. I, I mean, what, what's the reason for it? Because they're trying to balance the left and right, or what, what's, the, what's the deal? And I think they don't want the plane to be overweighed. So they're not only concerned about the weight of passengers, but the weight of the bags that they're bringing on the flight as well. Hey, you know what? I know it may be a little insensitive, but if, if they're going to weigh our bags and if it's going to come down to one pound and I got to pay an extra 150 bucks, you know, to me, maybe, maybe the weight's a big deal. And maybe, maybe it's a good, it's a good, go ahead. I, I said, that's the one thing I don't understand. I was at an airline the other day. I had two bags and one was like 52 pounds and the other was 40. And like, Oh, sir, your bags, you know, two pounds over, we're at the charge of 150 bucks. I'm like, what? Well, my other bag's 40 though. He's like, yeah, that's not really how it works. I'm like, well, explain this to me where I have 10 pounds of leeway over here. I'm two over here, but don't the two ballot, the bags balance each other. I said, sir, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. That's not the policy. So again, I was a little confused. I ended up shifting the bag. No big deal. Yeah. But Hey, man, I don't know. It's, it, that's a tough one for me, Randy, on a Friday morning before I had my cup of coffee. <laughs> so here's, here's their explanation. Uh, they're weighing the passengers and their luggage, quote, for the purpose of aircraft balance, as you suggested, and performance calculations that are needed for the safe operation of flights. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I've gone on a couple, couple flights where there's not a lot, of, a lot of passengers, and sometimes the flight attendants will say, hey, would you mind moving over to the left to help balance the, uh, the left and right? And, you know, at the end of the day, listen, I, 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 just want to get, I just want to get to where I need to go safely. You know what I mean? So I know we, we argue and we, we bicker a lot about the airlines and the policies, but they do do a really good job of getting us where we need to go safely. So uh, I'm willing to abide with whatever they decide to do. Um, luckily for me in my life right now, I don't have massive weight issues, so I, I'm okay no, with you, it. You're, you're uh, in fantastic shape, Joe. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's, it's, uh, it's, it's I'm very bottom heavy. I'm very bottom yeah, heavy, yeah. if you will. I'm very bottom heavy. I'm, I'm built like a hockey player. So hopefully they don't have any hockey policies where hockey players with their big trunks 
can't come on and slice it in Texas. By the way, along those lines, will you enjoy some buffalo wings in Buffalo tonight? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we do it every time. I forget the place that Curves always finds the out. Anchor Bar? Anchor Bar, that's the one. Yeah, it's the, I think that's the original one. Yeah. In, uh, they got a lot of great memorabilia. You've been there before, Randy, haven't you? Yes, sir. Oh, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. And, you know, it's the one It's the one city where you just kind of throw out the diet. You just say, you know what, we're in Buffalo. Uh, we're, we're going We're going to get wings. It's just kind of what you do. Uh, same way when, of course, we go to Montreal, we, we hammer out a pastrami uh, Reuben sandwich up there, one of our favorite places. And so this road trip actually got a lot of good eateries on, on the way. So I expect to come back a few extra pounds. And I really hope the Blues, the Blues uh, PJ there, who gets us home after the Toronto game, doesn't weigh us because they may tell me I need to take an Uber home. <laughs> Have a great time, safe travels, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, you three. Have a great weekend. You too, Joey. Thanks. I saw at the Anchor Bar a guy deliver the Heimlich. Oh, yeah? Yeah, oh. in his. Chicken bone just went flying across the room. That's impressive. It oh was. Oh, my God. Like, have you guys seen ever it seen it in person? It's no. unbelievable. Mike Shannon did it to Enos Slaughter. Yes, he did. And then he came into the booth and said, I just had to give Enos Slaughter the Alzheimer's maneuver. <laughs> <laughs> How do you even, wait, I'm just trying to figure out, that person just swallowed their entire wing? Yeah, have they I never know. eaten wings before? Got caught in his throat and somebody got behind him and... Yeah. Delivered the uh, the Heimlich, and that was it. Kept him alive. So I am a flats rather than a drummies guy. I would not eat a chicken wing bone. Are you guys flats or drummies? Mm. Drummies. I like both, honestly. I don't okay. have a preference. But now I'm trying to imagine, because people have certain ways that they eat wings. So maybe put it in your mouth. Have you seen people do that, where they pull the whole wing That's out? That's what I do with a flat, yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. I, I can't do that. I'm with you, Brooke. It's a little... That's a little much, it's Randy. A little much. <laughs> I used to be a drumming fan, but then I really, but then I discovered the the twist. It scares me yeah. a little bit. The twist method that breaks a flat, and then it just it yeah. makes it so much easier to eat than a drumstick. You're smart. Good. Appreciate that. Smart guy. Uh, coming up next year on 101 ESPN, more on wings. And by the way, if you ever make your way to Buffalo, it's Niagara Falls and the Anchor Bar and Grill. It's a, and by the way, the Anchor Bar and Grill was the place where the chicken wing, the buffalo wing was invented. They also have great pizza there. So mm. and enjoy Buffalo as much as you can. Uh, coming up, we've got, uh, uh, hold on here, prop bets. Uh, prop bets for the Super Bowl coming your way. I, I, got, my, I got my show set up here. <laughs> I got two of them. We've had a lot of moving parts we this have, morning. Yeah. It's uh, prop bets coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Active on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. fun for the Super Bowl, and Matthew Rocchio, who pays attention to this kind of thing, has a few prop bets for us for Super Bowl 58 L-V-I-I-I. So proud of you. Thank you. L-V-I-I. Super Bowl L-V. I liked your idea, Dan, about just getting rid of the Roman numerals. Yeah. Just call 58. They did it for 50. Remember Super Bowl 50 in Santa Clara? They just put a big 50 out there. Yeah. Yeah, because Super Bowl l doesn't yeah. really work. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Super Bowl L really does. Yeah. No. You can't. It's hard to make a. Yeah. How do you make a logo out of that? Right. I have my favorite prop bet out of what you listed here. Really? Go Ooh. ahead. Um, rip it off right, right, right. Rip the bandaid I, off. I just, this just 
popped out off the page. Well, Taylor Swift and Travis, it's kind of is adorbs. Will Taylor <laughs> Swift and Travis Kelsey appear in a commercial together? Yeah. Ooh, I like that one. That's that my favorite one. of this one. Oh, I'm going to go no. Really? I Too busy of schedules? I don't think they had time to do it during the season. Maybe. Her, her season or his? Well, she was. they were <laughs> together during the entire holiday season, so maybe they got together in KC and were able to do something. I Here's feel like the they would have had time. I, I, I would take that one. I got I got the, the brand here. It's Zoom's ad because they're ne- they, she's off in Brazil. He's back in Kansas City. So how do they talk to each other? Well, they get on a Zoom call. Uh, and then you don't even need them in studio to record it. You just record it on a Zoom call. Sweet. Mm. Bam, there's your commercial. Sense. Yeah, that's great. That's my favorite prop bed. Okay. Well, uh, my, my my favorite was that I put down here was we earlier this season we uh, Randy discovered or I believe you knew about it but you we talked about scoregami being yeah. a thing that everybody loves and there was a prop bed out there will the score of the game be a quote unquote scoregami and that means a score that has never happened in NFL history and you can get that uh, yes plus twenty five hundred no minus ten thousand I say just roll with it like a five dollar bet on like yeah. yes on that one because there's 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 a, like a thousand you know permutations under like a hundred total points mm-hmm. that can still be hit in, in, in NFL history. So right. I say run with that one. Yeah, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that 11-6 in the 1999 NFC Championship game was the first time that score had ever been the final score yep. of an NFL game. Hmm. So yeah, you, that's exactly right. With all of the possibilities, uh, you could have like a, uh, what, 51 to 13 <laughs> or something like that. What's the over-under? We were talking 47 about 47.5. Yeah. 47 and a half. Okay. Yep. Another one that I like, and this comes up every single year. Favorite, and let's see a favorite. Which colored Gatorade is poured? And I saw that Christian McCaffrey was asked. Some people were trying to say, what is your favorite Gatorade? And he said, I don't drink Gatorade. I drink Body Armor because he's sponsored uh-huh. by Body Armor. Smart. So we, Good. I don't know. Okay, how about this one? I, I, I like this. I'd go orange. I'd go I, orange, I like or, ye- orange or yellow, which is, yeah. which is yeah. quote, unquote, lime green, which was odd that they put a flavor in there instead of a color. More than two players to attempt a pass. So that means maybe Pacheco or McCaffrey or somebody like that attempts a pass other than Mahomes and Brock Purdy. Yes, plus 164. No, minus 198. I'm not going to take that. I think they keep it in the QB's hands, and you're not going to see anybody else touch the ball to throw it. I can totally see like a Philly special type play happening here, so I'm going to I'm going to say that that does happen. I, I would bet on a third player attempting a pass. After watching Travis Kelsey throw the ball, I'd like yeah. to see him throw. Yes. I, yes, I would like to see that again. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes to that one. I I think that's what's going to happen. You guys want another one of the, yes. the, the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey ones? Uh-huh. Sure. All right, we got we have two. We, the, the, we have the insane one, which is odds of a proposal on the field after the game. Full on Ian Johnson. Yes, plus ten sixty. No, minus three thousand. I'm gonna say no. There's no say way no. he does this. No, that uh, would be insane. That would take right? away from the Super Bowl championship, and I don't think he would ever do that. If you can put ten, if you're trying to put ten bucks on a prop. There's no way you should put it yes plus ten sixty on that one and not on plus twenty five hundred for Scorigami. Like if you're just being exactly. a lot like exactly. there's a lot of contr- things that 
need to go into a proposal decision that are uncontrollable by you. Like they're just game happening is is a thing that the universe controls. Roll with that plus twenty five hundred. That's a that's a. I don't and, like that one. And the fiestable, by the way, is different. You. That is such bad form. After the Super Bowl, after yes. your team wins the Super Bowl, to make it all about you, I can't imagine Travis Kelsey would do that. And I do like this one, though. This is a good one for your money, because I, I, we've seen this a bunch already, and I think this is good odds. Will Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey be seen kissing on TV after the game? Now, here's the thing. It's going to have to be a Kansas City Chiefs yeah. victory for this to happen in the first place. Yes, plus 110. No, minus 130. Not bad odds on either side, I think, see. on that yes. one. Didn't they... Yeah, yeah, after the championship after the game. Yeah, a little kiss after oh, that yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. Kiss, and yes. she'll be down there when he comes up to the NFL Network podium, if, if indeed he's... Uh, well, I think he, even if he doesn't score, you want to interview Travis Kelsey, right? Yes. So I, I would say that if they win, she'll be down on the field, and yeah, they'll they'll have a, a little lip lock. And then these aren't um, Maybe a tongue or two. involving wow. Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey necessarily, Easy, but I, I did appreciate that DraftKings, <laughs> I'm just going to keep plowing through. Wrong with you, man. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to... Uh, DraftKings actually has a post on their website that is just Taylor Swift themes bets and it's you know 22 any quarter to have a 22 22 plus points scored friendship bracelets Travis Kelsey or Kyle Juszczyk to score the first TD because the jackets mm-hmm. uh, the last great American dynasty Casey Chiefs to win by plus tw- uh, win by 22 plus points wildest dreams Travis Kelsey to score the first and last TD so there's I mean this they've gone insane on the prop bets yeah. with with Taylor Swift here those are fun to, uh, first and last TD I'll, I'll put a shilling on that one too why not be fun. Those are some of the prop bets. There's tons of them available at Circus Sports and at FanDuel and wherever you do your gambling. Coming up, we've got a late edition of The Fight, 845, because our buddy Robert Thomas is going to join us as the Blues get ready. Robbie, Tommy, he's coming up next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Getting you inside the Blues locker room. What a goal by Robert Thomas! It's time now for Blues forward Robert Thomas on the opening drive. Driven by Pure Performance, the only stop for all your aftermarket vehicle needs. One, two, three, four! McLaughlin, Randy Carricker, we go to the celebrity line now, and our friend Robert Thomas is standing by, the Blues All-Star. Blues back in action tomorrow in Buffalo, and then Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, they are in Montreal. Robert, uh, good morning. How are you doing this morning? Doing well, guys. How are you? Good. How was Toronto? How was that atmosphere of being around all the All-Stars? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, just my family got to be a part of everything, and um, yeah, they just they had so much fun, and I think that's what, what it's all about. Um, obviously, you you personally have a have a blast and an exciting time, but to be able to share with your parents and family, and um, and kind of celebrate, you know, all the things they've done for you is what meant the most to me. What was your favorite moment that was hockey related, and then what was your favorite moment that was non hockey related with All Star Weekend? Because remember, I asked you last week who you would like to meet out of all those celebrities that were there, and you said the Beebs. Did you get to meet him? Yeah, I did get to meet him. Uh, I think my favorite celebrity was Will Arnett. He was obviously our coach, but uh, just an outgoing, like, pretty cool personality guy. Um, he was hilarious just sitting in the room cracking jokes with us. So. Uh, he'd, he'd be my favorite for sure. Um, kind of off the ice, just like they had this big lounge set up for all the family and friends. And, uh, you know, my parents, grandparents got to meet a bunch of the players and kind of just hang around. And uh, that was their highlight of the whole weekend. And 
You guys are creatures of habit, so it's every day for the most part on the ice. You got a, a little break. Uh, so what was it like for you and your teammates to get back on the ice and, and start this thing up? Yeah, uh, a little slow yesterday, but, um, no, we're excited for the second half. Um, you know, we put ourselves in a in a good position where, um, you know, we're, we're depending on ourselves to, to, you know, make a push to the playoffs. Um, you know, we don't have to depend on other teams. We're in a spot right now, and, um, you know, if we take care of business on our end, then, then we should be good. So uh, I think that's our mindset, and, and we're pretty excited to uh, Robert Thomas with us on 101 ESPN. You have been through it. You've had to chase a playoff spot before. Just from your own personal perspective, how can Robert Thomas best help the Blues make the playoffs from an individual standpoint? What do you want to do? Yeah, I think just continue my 200-foot game. I think, uh, you know, I we, we got some good teams coming down the pipeline, and, uh, you know, if I can do my best to – to try and limit the offense of some of these guys' top lines, I think uh, it'll put our team in a good spot. So uh, that's my, my main focus to continue improving on, and um, you know the rest will take care of itself. The announcement was made official this week that you guys will be facing the Blackhawks in the Winter Classic. How exciting is that to be in another Winter Classic and be playing at Wrigley? Yeah, that's pretty special. Um, you know, I always love the outdoor games. I, you know, it reminds you of being a kid, but just the energy and the atmosphere that's built around those um, obviously family and friends get to come and uh, you know they're always just such a great event and uh, you know I haven't got a chance to play in Wrigley or see Wrigley yet so uh, I'm pretty excited that's a, that's a bucket list one for sure. How about up in Canada do, do the fans get into the NFL much and, and get involved with the Super Bowl I mean obviously down here in, in the United States it's huge on Sunday what's it like up in Canada? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's as big of a deal as it is in the U.S. Um, I mean, I always remember watching it as a kid, so I would say uh, I would say it is still pretty big, but um, definitely not like it is down here. And uh, pretty excited to watch it. So we asked Joey Vitale what his go-to Super Bowl party food is. He said cocktail wieners. What about for Robert Thomas? What's your favorite food for a Super Bowl party? Uh, I'm a big buffalo chicken dip. I think that's number one for me. Good, and so you're going to the you're going to Buffalo. So, uh, and you're also a guy that takes care of his body and you watch your diet. Will you have just a little bit of buffalo chicken dip tonight, maybe? Uh, probably not. Uh, oh. No, we'll be in Montreal for the Super Bowl, so yeah. Uh, Definitely no buffalo chicken dip there. Okay, so <laughs> so good. But, yeah, buffalo chicken dip is a great way to go. Robert, I also wanted to ask you, uh, we've got this thing called The Fight where I do a trivia against a listener every single day, and it's coming up after your segment. If there was a Blues player to participate in The Fight, what Blues player is the best at sports trivia and talking sports and, and things that they've seen in the past? Uh um, my answer always would have been Robert Bertuzzo. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's not here, so I'm going to go with Kevin Hayes. Um, those guys, uh, you know, sometimes Jeopardy and stuff's gone in the in the lounge before games, and um, you know, they're I can't get a single answer right. It's actually quite pathetic, but uh, <laughs> they're they're pretty they're pretty good at it. 
I was watching Jeopardy yesterday, and they had a Super Bowl segment. And for whatever reason, Jeopardy people are terrible at sports. They, the, these people, the three people, could not answer a Super Bowl question. It <laughs> it infuriated me because I, yeah. I know sports. I, I'm, I'm saying, come on, you don't know that. You don't know who Chuck Knoll is. Come on. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, no, I I'm terrific at it. I I think I may be in my five years got one answer right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we call Randy Megamind because he just dominates every single week. But I do want to ask you, since we're talking about Super Bowl, who do you have? Who do you think is going to win this weekend? Uh, I I came to St. Louis at probably the perfect time uh, when the Chiefs got good and I've been the biggest bandwagon fan of all time, so uh, <laughs> I'm sticking with the Chiefs. I think they got it. Good. And you've gone over there a few times, right, to see them play? Yeah, I've been to a couple games. Uh, pretty pretty cool atmosphere. Uh, I was at the one they actually lost to the Bengals, uh, and I've been to one or two other ones. But, um, you know, always, always fun supporting them. And, um, yeah, I just I really enjoy football. So, uh, you know, I've been a big fan of them. Good. Well, have fun watching the Super Bowl. I know you got games this weekend. Do you like the day games, by the way? Noon starts St. Louis time. Or are you okay with day games? Yeah, I'm fine with day games. I actually... Day games are great. Um, I love them. So, uh, you know, I'm pretty pumped. we got two coming up back-to-back. Good. We'll be tuned in. Robert, thanks so much. Have the, have a great trip, and we'll see you when you get back to town. Yeah, thanks, guys. See you later. Robert Thomas with us on 101 ESPN. It sounds like he was driving to practice. It does. I think that's why he had to switch to 830, which is absolutely yeah, fine. They got, a, they got a fly today, so they, yeah. they practice a little bit earlier. I yeah. wonder if they get off to a slow start, or if this general in general the teams that are playing – have gotten off to slow starts. I wonder if that, when you have t- that much time off, exactly. it has to be hard. And I know they, they skate and they work out, but like he said, it was slow yesterday getting back on the ice as a team. But you know what? It takes about five or ten minutes, and someone knocks your head off, and you say, okay, it's time to get things going again. <laughs> We're that's back. What, that's what you need is that big hit to get things started. Maybe so. Yeah, let's have that tomorrow. Then his chicken dip would come up. Buffalo chicken dip. He's not <laughs> yeah. having any tonight, so it'll yeah. be good. Okay. All right. Uh, That's Dan. That's Brooke. That's Matthew. I'm Randy. And coming up, we do have a late edition of The Fight. All you need to do is text in 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO, with your name and the word fight. And perhaps Matthew will pick you to fight me next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Alongside Danny Mac, Brady Kierker, and Matthew Rocchio. And it is now time for the fight. And our fighter today is EZ. EZ, how are you doing today? Doing good. How are you guys? Good. So is EZ short for something? Uh, first name's Eric. Just I kind of got EZ as a nickname from a long time ago. There you go. <laughs> is this your first time facing Randy in the fight? Um... On this one, yes, I had him. I went against him on the four o'clock fight years ago, but first time on this one. Then how did you fare? Uh, I lost spectacularly. Okay. Well, it's time to change that. Good luck to you. 
Thank you. All right. Question number one, Easy. Who is the only player in Major League Baseball history to post three-plus seasons with 30 home runs, 30 stolen bases, and 100 RBI? Is it David Wright, Vlad Guerrero, or Barry Bonds? Bonds feels like the obvious one. But I'm going to go David Wright. Is that your final answer, Easy? Final answer. Question two, who holds the record for single-season catches by a tight end with 116? Tony Gonzalez, Zach Ertz, Dallas Clark. Tony Gonzalez, final answer. Okay, question three, please. Longtime Jaguar great Jimmy Smith posted all his career stats in Jacksonville but was drafted by which NFC squad? Was it the Seattle Seahawks, Dallas Cowboys, or Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I believe it was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And while we're on the subject of wide receivers, Torrey Holt got robbed again. He sure did. He's going to get in, though, easy, so hang with him. All right, question four. Which outfielder was the last Cardinals player to homer in his first career at bat? Tyler O'Neill. Stephen Piscotty, Lane Thomas. I don't think it was O'Neill. He only homers on opening day. Um, I'm going to say Lane Thomas. Lane Thomas. Okay, your final answer. We're going to go get Randy and uh, see how he'll do on this Friday edition of the fight. How do you feel that you uh, did today? Eh. That doesn't sound very confident. It's always more intimidating once you get in here. Yeah, I always feel like I do better if I'm not on here. That's how I feel at home when I'm playing or watching along with Jeopardy, as Robert Thomas was talking about earlier. I'm like, man, I'm crushing this. And then I'm sure in that real life situation, it's a lot harder. Randy's now in here. Randy, say hi to EZ, your fight. EZ, good morning. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Thank you. I hope you have a great weekend. All you too. right, Randy, you ready for question number one? I guess so. Question number one. Who is the only player in Major League Baseball history to post three-plus seasons with 30 home runs, 30 stolen bases, and 100 RBI? The only logical choice here is Barry Bonds, so I will go with him. Final answer? Yes, sir. Question two. Who holds the record for single-season catches by a tight end with 116? 116 catches by a tight end. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that Ken McAfee, when he was at Notre Dame, did that. Um, this is, uh, but are we talking in the NFL? Yes. Oh, NFL. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll go with Tony Gonzalez then. Is that your final answer, Randy? Yes, final answer, sir. Question three, please. Longtime Jaguar great Jimmy Smith posted all his career stats in Jacksonville, but was drafted by which NFC squad? How about them Cowboys? He was drafted by the Cowboys, I believe. (laughs) Are you ready for question four? I believe I am, Daniel. Which outfielder was the last Cardinals player to homer in his first career at bat? Uh, First career at bat... So somebody has done it since Adam Wainwright because Wayno was not an outfielder. Somebody's done it since Chris Richard, who was a first baseman. 
And was it Mike Fitzgerald, the catcher, that did it? Uh, can we do the uh, the old lifeline here, Daniel? Tyler O'Neill, Stephen Piscotti, Lane Thomas. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I got a 33% chance of getting this one right. Mm-hmm. That's what happens with the lifeline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to say it was not Stephen Piscotti. So that gives me Tyler O'Neill and Lane Thomas. And Lane Thomas. I believe that I'm going to go off the board here, and I'm going to say that it's Lane Thomas because I, it shouldn't be. That's why I'm going to go with it. <laughs> the Lane train. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and ring the bell. We have a winner in today's fight. Does Randy Carricker go with a clean sweep for the week? Was it a little bit too easy? Or does Easy walk away with a win of his own? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by CarShield. Plans to fit any budget. Visit carshield.com today. I'm sorry, Easy. Randy Carricker got you three to one today. Another spectacular loss to Randy. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Oh man, thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate it. Have a great Super Bowl weekend. Yep, you too, guys. Have a good one. Thank you. Don't forget, time is a flat circle. Who is the only player in MLB history to post three plus seasons with 30 home runs, 30 stolen bases, and 100 RBI? Is in fact Barry Bonds with five. Although I would expect Ronald Acuna to probably change that uh, question a little bit mm-hmm. when he gets his third, probably in the next year or two. Yeah. Uh, the who holds a single season. Uh, Catch record by tight end in the NFL history with 116 it is in Zach Ertz, who oh, did it with Ertzy. the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Tony Gonzalez's career high was 102 uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, long-time Jaguar great Jimmy Smith posted all his career stats in Jacksonville, but was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys in the second round. This has to be... He has to be the only player in NFL history who didn't catch a pass until he was 26 and still finished with 12,000 receiving yards. It's pretty good. That's insane. He didn't yeah. play his first three years out of college because he was a special teamer as a second-round wide receiver mm-hmm. with, the, with the Cowboys. Got a ring, though. It was a pretty good mm-hmm. team that he got drafted to. Then he gets appendicitis, and then he's out of the NFL for uh, in his third year. Then he comes back with the Jaguars and goes off for 12,000 yards. Amazing. Uh, unbelievable what Jimmy Smith did. And then which outfielder was the last Cardinals player to hit a homer in his first career at bat? Did Randy just... What the... My, 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 my chair just fell. That was the... so scary. All of a sudden, you just dropped. I'm not sinking. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to no, keep my own. I lost you I'm for gonna... a second. So the, the, YouTube, the YouTube over here to my yeah, left has like a delay. Check it out. So I'm just going to keep watching until Randy just drops okay, out yeah, of view completely. Watch. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> and number four, it was in fact Lane Thomas, the last player of the Cardinal to Homer in his first career at bat. He did it just two seasons after Paul DeYoung did it. It was 2017 and 2019 separating Paul DeYoung and Lane Thomas doing that. A 3-1 win for Randy Carricker in today's fight. Thank you I so thought, much for joining the show, Easy. I thought Mark Worrell, a relief pitcher, homered in his first at bat. He is another one. Uh, okay. he did, he, but he did it after Wayno, and then since then it's been Paul DeYoung and Lane Thomas. Okay. Yeah. Off of Greg Holland, I remember that one mm-hmm. from Paul DeYoung. Lane Thomas, I can't remember who he hit it off of. I can't either. But we, uh, you know, we, got it. we, we figured got it. it out. Yep. Wasn't as easy for easy as he thought. Oh, oh. Dan, that's a, that's yes. a Randy joke. Yeah, thanks, I Dan. Love it. Well, that's a Randy great. joke. Yeah. That was great.
Uh, thanks to listener John Fitzgerald, who has uh, he brought in a little bit of um, the, the delicious first watch food for us this morning. Just we, we love our listeners. And John, thank you so much for having that delivered and bringing it to us. Brooke is doing the heart sign. Or John. And, yeah. So John we, is the best. He, he also interacts a lot on social media. He, he does. We, we, and on our, on our YouTube chat. So thanks to, uh, to John. Coming up here on 101 ESPN. Let me get this thing here. Uh, let's see. RHR. That'd be a rush hour reset. Oh, okay. <laughs> got it. Okay. Or Ryan O'Reilly. Well, that's R O R. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Rush we, we, we've hour, got our rush hour <laughs> reset. Got it. Rush hour reset. Coming up next here, uh, it's going to be 9 o'clock here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Stories of the day on the opening drive with a rush hour reset. Time for the Rush Hour Reset. I was talking to Chris next door at Casey during the fight about Tory Holt not being elected to the Hall of Fame. And it really is not a reflection on Tory or his career. It's more a reflection on the process. And I don't think anybody in this room begrudges Andre Johnson making the Hall of Fame. He's a Hall of Fame quality player. And there's a limit to how many players can be inducted in any given year. I just look at it, for, at it from this perspective. Reggie Wayne, Tory Holt, Andre Johnson were the three finalists for the Hall of Fame among receivers this year. I would rate Torrey Holt number one, Reggie Wayne number two, and Andre Johnson number three. And what bothers me is that it's not a football process as much as it is a political process with 50 voters. That's my issue with it because that's the only reason that I could really think about. Is he just continuing to be a casualty of that narrative that there was so much other talent around him? But Randy, you pointed this out earlier, is that he was still able to do all that with all that talent around him, all those other guys who are around him. I think, if anything, that says more about him as a player. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I know that he eventually will get in. It was just very frustrating to see this happen once again for Tory. Pretty simple stat. Randy, you have it. For about a decade, he was the most in terms... 2000, 2000 to 2009, more catches for more yards than any other receiver right there in the prime of Terrell Owens' career, right there in the prime of Randy Moss's career, right there in the prime of Marvin Harrison's career, more catches for more yards than any of those guys during his career. There you go. Pretty simple. Should be in. Yeah, pretty simple. And it, it's sad, but it, it, it is the case. Meanwhile, uh, an interesting baseball note and it, it came from Josh Hader, who was on the Foul Territory podcast, and they do a great job, by the way. And Josh Hader is noted for telling teams that he'll only go one inning because he's worried about him. Here's what Josh Hader had to say to the Foul Territory podcast. It sucks that the business had to come in that way um, because it is. At the end of the day, I love playing this game. I'm going to do anything I can to win. But also, you got to think about the, the health of yourself and – being able to provide for your family. Now, um, I was, like you said, I was going through the arbitration system and I was with the Brewers. It's not like the Padres put me through that that process, but the system told me that the way that uh, any relief, not even just myself, but any reliever um, is valued based off saves. And, you know, for me at the time, I was going multiple innings, going from the fourth inning, maybe to the seventh, also doing two and two third save uh save outings and just different things like that like you know which i was fine with but when i was told to my face that you know that's not worth anything like you got to get saves 
that's where I was like, well, I'm not going to blow my arm out if you're not going to invest in me. So my investment back was I'll get you the inning. I'll get you the saves and we'll do everything. But you got to put a team in a bullpen around to do that. Okay, I've got two things here. Number one. The guy's made $35 million over the last four years. So if he can't provide for his family with $35 million, I don't know how smart Josh Hader is, but I would say that if he can't provide for his family for their lifetimes with $35 million, there's an issue there that he needs to address. The second thing, Matthew, can I hear the first 10 seconds of that one more time, please? It sucks that the business had to come in that way. Um, because it is. At the end of the day, I love playing this game. I'm going to do anything I can to win. No, you but aren't. You, no, you aren't. You aren't doing anything. You just told us you aren't doing anything you can to win. And if I'm a teammate of Josh Hader, who is a competitor, I'm furious about that. Now, I don't know how many players are competitors, but he's not doing everything he can to win by telling the team, no, I'm only going to give you three outs in the ninth inning. And I agree with you 100%, but I think another thing that is very interesting that he's talking about there is how much that arbitration process really changed his mindset. Is that something that concerns you guys? Because we hear it all the time from mm-hmm. players about how they really changed their perspective on everything after that arbitration process. Remember, we had Tommy Edmond on the other day and he mentioned he was glad that he didn't have to go through that arbitration process because of the things you hear. You, They say it won't be personal and then it turns into personal and then you also see yourself reduced to numbers and statistics and that's how they value you. So that's how it changes a lot of the players' mindset. So I I agree with you. I don't like that it kind of takes away the team aspect of it, but it also shows how much analytics has taken over the process of things. Ultimately, at the end of the day, fans don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it, but it's a business. Mm-hmm. And yes. he parlayed that into, what, $95 million? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue with what he's saying from the business perspective. From a fan's perspective, to your point, Randy, I want to hear him say, I'm going to do everything I can to win and then do it, go Mm -hmm. through with it. And they're a better team when he pitches the eighth and the ninth. And that just shows you how much the game has changed, right or wrong. I would assume his teammates, you know what, they're doing the same thing. Yeah, They're they're, they're, they're trying to get the most money, too. It's all about them. It's not about the team. It's not about the organization. It's not about the city. It's not about the fans. It's about them as individuals to get every penny that's on that table and competitiveness and winning be damned. I, I still, from his perspective, I understand it. I really do. I I don't like it, but that's where the game is. That's where sports mm-hmm. is. Right, and that's the other thing is I think about it from a prism of the 80s and 90s and being with players, being around players that hated losing and would do anything they could to win a game, being around Willie McGee in 1983 when he had the bad knees, being around Tom Hur in 83 when he had the bad knees, being around Bruce Suter when he was taking a couple three-quarter zone shots a year so that he could get on the mound to compete to help his team win, Uh, even being around people like Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina who just hated losing and still hate losing. But the sport and to haters credit he's saying that this is the way they want us to be this is the way they they tell us to be but there is no concern about losing anymore and unfortunately for us he's a winner in the financial department he's never going to pitch in a world series and win it because he's just not committed enough to winning well he's down in houston he's gonna have a shot they're gonna be pretty good 
Yeah, so but he'll it, have a chance to go to a World he Series. It, he will cost them a game because he doesn't. He's not competitive. He's too important of a player to not be a competitor. See, I think in the postseason it changes. I, I think guys look at the postseason as opposed to the long haul of the regular season, and there is more of a look at winning as opposed to let me get mine. The one thing I'll say, too, is that when you look at Willie and you look at Bruce, it's a different era, which you mentioned, mm-hmm. but there's people ready to take his spot. And that's the other thing. They're, the money dictates if you play or not, and those guys had to worry about a spot on the roster being taken. The, they absolutely did. But from again, from his perspective last year, heading into last year, he made $25 million over the previous three seasons. Twenty. $24 million and 35 over the last four, including last year. Again, I, I don't live in that world. He needed to have the $100 million. Maybe he's buying a $100 million home. I don't know. Uh, but, but he felt like he needed to have that. Again, it, it is, like you say, it's a different era because a long time ago, well, not too long ago, people got into baseball to win rings. Yeah. They, they actually wanted to compete. Yeah. Well, and they still do now. I think it's just with the difference in the eras, what changed in between that time? We had the whole money balls change mm-hmm. happening where you have the analytics. And believe me, I'm still a fan of analytics. It has a place in the game. But specifically, when you hear players talk about what teams are looking for, what front offices are even saying they're looking for, what agents are saying they're looking for. It all boils down to that analytics are used to drive money and that's the big difference there. You just hit it on the head. His agent is in his Mm -hmm. ear and the Players Association is in his ear saying, you know what, if you don't stay healthy, we can't maximize what the next deal is for the next Mm -hmm. player. You're a benchmark of what we're trying to do with the players to get them the most money. So he's hearing it from both sides, I'm sure. And the numbers thing, it drives me crazy because part of what makes Mike Trout great is that he walks a lot. And he goes to the plate with the idea of walking. Here's a guy with runner on second with less than two out who's got unbelievable bat-to-ball skills. But rather than trying to get the base hit to score the run, he's not swinging the bat. He wants to take a walk and leave it to the next guy, which is, again, part of the numbers, part of analytics, part of what front offices want, but does it help you win the game? When you have, uh, whom, let me just throw a name, Anthony Rendon, Anthony Rendon of the last three years. Would you rather have him at the plate with runners at first and second or Trout swinging the bat with a runner at second? I think I'd rather have Trout than just about anybody. I would too. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know. But they've, they've told him, the analytics people have said, walk. Sure. Well, you already have an example with Hayter last season. If you guys remember in 2023, the Padres bullpen was really depleted and there was a lot of chances where he could have come in and helped them a little bit sooner in games, mm-hmm. but he didn't. Right. So that goes to with what you're talking about is that when it's a team aspect thing, it does hurt the game in that way. I, I don't blame him. I, maybe I'm in the minority here, but I, I don't blame him for pitching one inning and keeping himself in the best position to maximize the money he's going to make because the shelf life of these guys, and to your point, Randy, he's made a lot of money, mm-hmm. but the shelf life of these players, generally speaking, is very short. So they're trying to stay in the game. And when I spend... When I'm a season ticket holder spending 150 bucks a pop for 81 home games. Sure, you want to see the best chance to win. Exactly. I, I, I'm doing that because I'm buying that, that ticket for hope. And he is not providing that hope for me when they have to bring Luis Garcia in in the eighth. 
rather rather than Josh Hader. And I don't like it whatsoever. I agree with you. I don't like it whatsoever. But like Dan said, it is a business at the end of the day. And he's an employee. And he found out through that arbitration case just what exactly they wanted from him. And he executed that. And don't be disingenuous. Don't say you'll do anything to win and then say, well, I'm not going to pitch an eighth inning. I wonder if he goes multiple innings now that he has his deal. He might. Yeah, you know, yeah, that he extends every once in a while, get four outs, five outs, that yeah. kind of thing. But he's in an organization where they probably won't force him to do that, too. I, I think a lot of teams, I mean, it's kind of like here in St. Louis, Ryan Helsley is in the same boat. Yep. You know, yes. he's not going to go multi appearances in a series. More than likely, he might go game one, game three, he might go two and four, but you're not going to see him very often go back to back. There's too much money on the table for him. If, once he hits free agency. So Josh Hader giving us some material, at the very least. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when the Cardinals have their first on-field workout next Wednesday, what's the main thing you want to hear that, to make you feel good about where they're headed? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 918 in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarks Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Brooke Grimsley and Dan McLaughlin. I'm Randy Carricker. Michael Lombardi has a book out. He's going to join us coming up at the bottom of the hour. But the Cardinals start spring training. Their first full squad workout, well, not full squad, but pitchers and catchers, will take place on Valentine's Day, on Wednesday. And as we start to learn about what's happening down in Jupiter, what do you guys want to hear first? What do you want to know that's happening down there that will make you feel comfortable and confident about the 2024 Cardinals? That they signed Jordan Montgomery. No, I'm I'm joking. Maybe. Mm-hmm. That actually would make me feel a little bit better. But still, I think, seriously, Brennan Donovan coming back, because as we know, he mm-hmm. also got surgery recently in October, and that everything is good for him. I think that he is going to be a huge part of the Cardinals once again this season. We saw how much the numbers dipped offensively when he was not there, and so I think he's a big key for their success this season. And also that Tommy Edmonds looks good back from surgery because if both of those guys are still dealing with injury issues you can kind of see how we would almost be not as bad as last year but remember how quickly things fell apart with all those injuries i would say uh will the rotation hold up and seeing these guys make starts every fifth i mean it's an older rotation so will they hold up would be my number one thing and then Two would be the return of Nolan Arenado mm. to being Nolan Arenado. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they're going to go anywhere, their two big guys have to be their two big guys, and that's Arenado and Goldie. So those are the two biggest points I'd make going into spring training, which is all subject for debate because on a daily basis down there, things change. Right. Mm-hmm. And, Dan, you remember in 2011, we found out right off the bat that Adam Wainwright needed the Tommy John surgery, and that was a huge setback right off the bat for that team, but they obviously were able to bounce back and, and win the World Series. But I'm with you on a couple of fronts. Number one, Arenado and Gorman, the the, the position players last year that had the health issues, I, I want to hear that they are spry and bouncing around. But here's the other thing that I want to hear, and, and Katie Wu and Derek Gould and the, uh, Jeff Jones, the whole group that's going to be down there, they watch every day. I want to hear that with the return of Daniel Descalso to the coaching staff, that there is an emphasis placed upon the little things, the fundamentals that Tony LaRussa worked on feverishly every single spring. And 
I think that's something that Daniel Descalso brings to the table. From a major league perspective, he went through those spring trainings where every single day there was something little that was worked on that wound up being a big thing during the course of the season. Those fundamentals that fell apart for the 2023 Cardinals, I want to see those worked on and hear about those being worked on during 2024 spring training. And oh, by the way, this is one of the things about the World Baseball Classic last year when you had 18 players mm-hmm. that were out of spring training for a substantial amount of time. The Cardinals just didn't have the opportunity to work on those little things like they had in the past. I would love to see Daniel Descalso be very hands-on when it comes to that, like Skip was. I, you guys mm-hmm. both saw it. Skip was very hands-on in that approach, and I think that that really helped with the fundamentals as well. I think he could run spring training. And Daniel? Yeah. Joe Pettini did it under Tony. It was... His job to map it out, so to speak, and you know, one day we're working on cutoffs, another day we're working on base running, which I'm sure they did a year ago. But I, I'm with you, Randy. They've got to get back to fundamentally sound baseball. Their defensive run saved the way down, 20th they, in the league. They did not run the bases as well. Usually, under the Cardinals, and Ali Marmol did this too under Mike Schilt, is that they have a secondary guy running the entire spring training, and I, I would imagine that's probably with input from others, Dan. What about Yadier Molina? Do you guys think that he will be around for spring training? Because it seems like we're still trying to figure out what his role and how much he will be around. Will he be around? Because as you guys saw during spring training, one of my favorite things to watch is how Yadier Molina worked with all the catchers. I hope so. Mm -hmm. You got $87.5 million wrapped up into Contreras. Mm -hmm. And there were times he was just not at the level he needed to be Mm -hmm. defensively as a major league catcher. So uh, I'm with you, Brooke. I think it's very important that he gets down there and works with Yachty. Not that he's a miracle worker, but he he can help. And Yachty already took Herrera under his wing. And I I would think that now that we know Herrera is going to be at the major league level, that his advancement needs to take another step because he's probably going to play at least 60 games this year, right? I wouldn't expect that Contreras would play more than 100. So 100 for, well, maybe 110, but 50 or 64 Herrera. And not only from the catcher's standpoint, but when we talk about the fundamentals, when we talk about the little things, when we talk about the competitiveness that we, we, talk, we were talking about in the last segment, there are things that Yachty brings to the table that will make a team better that we never hear about. And having him in camp would be a huge benefit. Attention to detail. Yeah. And as a player, as a starting catcher, you can help all you want, but you're not a coach. You know, so we always say, well, he's a coach on the field. He is. But when your playing days are over, your focus is trying to make that player better. Mm -hmm. You you know, Wilson Contreras or Herrera, these guys. And so the 100% of the focus, if he's in camp, is to try to help these individuals as opposed to, well, I'm helping them, but I'm also getting ready for a season. One other point here, because Katie Wu has brought this up in players that she talked to last year, that they, and I think it's natural, didn't have as much respect for the teachings of players that had not done much or anything at the major league level. Can you have more respect for a player if you're a Cardinal than you have for Yadier Molina? So (laughs) if he's in camp, he is going to soak up all of that respect. For the people that, and this is not an affront to people like Stubby Clapp and Pop Warner, Mm -hmm. uh, but... These young players, they never saw those guys play. If Yachty comes to you and says, no, this is how we did it when we went to the World Series, it's just a different animal altogether. I think one of the things that hurts you if you haven't had a lot of MLB experience is that players are making huge amounts of money, Mm -hmm. and they're going to say, why am I going to listen to this guy? Yep, Mm -hmm. And, And that's part of it, and unfortunately that's part of the game. Instead of taking the attitude of being eyes wide open and saying, help me be better. 
and sometimes the money gets in the way of doing that. I truly believe that. I 100% agree with that, too. And that kind of makes me think of when you look at the pitching coaches, what do you guys think about Kikefer and him joining? Uh, Dean Kikefer, former Cardinal, actually was coached by former 101 ESPN staffer Jason Simon Tachi in the Cardinal Minor League system. Really? Yep. Yeah. Uh, and he has, yeah, this is the thing, sure, he has major league experience, but it's 30 games. I don't, uh, and I, I, I'm i in the fight every day. I don't remember Dean Kikoffer's career. Oh, I do. Good lefty, a little soft tosser. Yeah, well, <laughs> a lefty, a little soft tosser. Yeah. Let's just, let's just, okay. 30 games. Yeah, I, bottom line, it was 30 games. <laughs> right, exactly. It was not a lot of major league experience. Yeah, so if you're Yoho Romero, you've already got more games than Dean Kikoffer pitched. Now, he might be a brilliant coach. Bill Belichick never played in the NFL, and by... Many accounts was one of the best coaches. Well, he was, but not the best coach, but maybe one of the best. But Tony Russo didn't have substantial major league time and was a great major league manager. Whitey Herzog wasn't a star player at the major league level. One of the best managers, if not the best manager that we've ever seen. So, uh, and Joe Torre at the other end of the spectrum was a great major league player and a really good major league manager. Our, our three Hall of Fame managers. My point here is that you can be great, but I think, as you mentioned, Dan, in this day and age, and with players saying it, it really does become an advantage to have the the cachet of having been a good major league player. I know what you're looking forward to. You can't wait to see those videos or hear about Sunny Gray Sweeper. Oh, <laughs> Brooke, <laughs> I can't believe that it took me this long to think of it, and you, yeah, you had to bring That's it up. That's what you're waiting for. That sweeper. I I just think that it's the coolest pitch ever. I think Dean Kikeffer, too, is able to, having played in the major leagues, so going back to the point that yes. you made, is taking the information with Dusty Blake and maybe dumbing it down mm-hmm. because he's very analytically oriented to dumb it down to players and communicate that way. I think that's important. you got to have a conduit if you're going to have a very analytically uh, driven staff, and Dusty is that. You got to find a way to uh, get the information, but make it simple for the player. Yep. That's Dan. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. Coming up, Michael Lombardi, longtime NFL executive, has a new football, a uh, new book out about football called Football Done Right. Award winning sportscaster Jim Nance does the forward, and we're going to talk to Michael Lombardi about his book next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brooke Grimsley, Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carrick for the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. Michael Lombardi, longtime NFL executive, has a new book out called Football Done Right. Setting the record straight on the coaches, players, and history of the NFL. And Michael Lombardi joins us now on the Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Michael, thanks so much for your time. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. We're, we're excited to have you. First of all, who you got on Sunday? You know, I mean, my heart's with San Francisco. I was, I, I started my career there with Coach Walsh and I got to drive him around and I got my first Super Bowl ring from him there. So my heart's there. Uh, you know, I, I think the Chiefs are really good. I have a hard time thinking that, you know, the way they've played lately. And let's be honest, I mean, San Francisco's played their two worst games and still got here. So I went with the Niners. With all that being said, I went with the Niners at uh, 27-23. 
but don't don't, don't bet it. I don't know what that. That one I don't feel good about. I'm the I'm the exact same way. Hey, and, and as we get started, because you're on the air here in St. Louis, I want to start with this. I was very happy that you wrote about Don Coriel and how great he was and how what a bad situation he was was in here in St. Louis, it really is one of the more re- remarkable runs in history that with Mr. Bidwell as the owner that Don Coriel had the success here in St. Louis that he had. Yeah, I'm, thank you. You read that. I, I thought it was a great story that here's a guy that just writes a letter again to an owner and the owner actually reads the letter, you know, and, and that's how he creates his job. I mean, Coriel is a, a fascinating, a, a lot of our careers are judged by who we work for, what owner, you know, and you know, had Coriel worked for DeMarlo, he might have won five Super Bowls, right? Right. And so that's what I tried to point out in the book, that the owner makes a huge difference in terms of the coach's career, and I think Coriel proves that perfectly. Going back to the Super Bowl this weekend, there's going to be many different keys to the games, and everybody's looking at Patrick Mahomes, Brock Purdy, looking at the Chiefs' defense, looking at Christian McCaffrey, but what do you believe will be the true difference maker that will lead one team to winning the Super Bowl? Well, for the 49ers to win, they have to play better up front. All their money is in the defensive line. You know, they that defensive line has got to take the game over. If you look at what the kryptonite was for the Chiefs in the Super Bowl against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the COVID year with nobody in the stadium, uh, it was the defensive front of the Bucks dominating the game, and, and Mahomes was really not able to make a play. So I think that's really what has to happen. The last time the Chiefs lost to the Raiders, the Raiders' defensive front dominated that game. So it's really going to come down to the 49ers dominating the game. And then secondly, what I think the Chiefs have to do is they've got to be able to play man-to-man and win. They've got to win. If they're going to play man-to-man on the outside, on the receivers, on Samuel, on Ayuk, on Kittle, they've got to play really well, and they've got to tackle really well. Tackling is going to be the key to the game because – if they tackle well, the Niners get a ton of yards after the catch. And Purdy's very good at putting the ball in the right spot at the right time. So, for me, those are the two areas that I would say for both teams to win. Speaking of Purdy, do you buy into the narrative surrounding him that he's just a game manager and he's just reaping the rewards of all the talent around him? I think it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life, really. <laughs> I mean, the people that say that have no idea what they're talking about when it comes to football and understanding the quarterback position. Let's just... Let's just have a frank conversation here, okay? Kurt Warner, in your town, okay? He goes to Green Bay as an undrafted free agent out of Northern Iowa. He gets up there, and he had great success in Northern Iowa. They couldn't get him to throw the ball. They couldn't get him to throw it. They, they cut him because he just kind of got bottled up. He got too, how do I want to say it? He got too overwhelmed by the moment, right? Okay, so no big deal. That happens to young players. He comes back to Des Moines, he works in a supermarket, he plays for the Iowa Barnstormers, and they bring him in. And he has this incredible career in St. Louis, and he takes over when Trent Green gets hurt. He's got Aza Keen, Isaac Colt, Tory Holt, Marshall Falk. Nobody called him a game manager. Nobody said he was. Nobody, everybody said he's great. Like, I don't understand the reason Tr- Kurt Warner was great, which he is. And Brock Purdy's not great. Like, I don't get that. Like, they both overcame these incredible odds to get to where they had to go. Why can't we love them both? Michael Lombardi, author of Football Done Right, setting the record straight on the coaches, players, and history of the NFL. It was uh, Torrey Holt trying to make history last night by being inducted or at least getting into the Hall of Fame. He's left out another year. What did you think of that? Well, I thought the real injustice was Antonio Gates, in all honesty. Look, I love Devin Hester, and I think Devin Hester was great. 
you know, in terms of you didn't want to kick the ball to him. And he was amazing in terms of what he was able to do when he got the football in his hands. And as he was, you know, and he kind of was, you just got scared to death to try to make sure you weren't going to do it. But do you realize Antonio Gates leads all tight ends in touchdown passes? Do you realize Antonio Gates is, is, has a better, had a better time, had a better career in terms of numbers than Shannon Sharp, Dave Casper, and other guys, there's only three tight ends that actually, when you break down the numbers, are even better. So, like, the guy had 11,000 yards, 11,000 yards, right? I mean, Gronkowski only has 9,200 yards in his career. He's going to get it. He, and Gronkowski has 92 touchdowns, and he's going to get it on the first ballot, right? This guy's got 116 touchdowns. He's got 11,000 yards, and they ignored him. But that's why I wrote Gridiron Genius. I mean, excuse me, that's why I wrote Football Done Right. Because that committee, that committee is, needs to be revamped. It becomes a political game. Buddy Parker's not in the Hall of Fame. We would not have nickel defense if it wasn't for Buddy Parker. We would not have two-minute offense and two-minute defense if it wasn't for Buddy Parker. Like, we don't and, – and he doesn't get in. He doesn't get in. Nobody's arguing for him. The committee is broken. I mean, you know, it's almost like the Warren Commission. Like, they just don't get it. And, Michael, with with Buddy Parker, just from a personal standpoint, uh, here's a guy, he's the only guy on the ballot, he needs to get 80%. Why do you think, beyond the, the qualifications that are there, why would you devastate a family and deprive them? The this He's got Hall of Fame credentials. Why deprive somebody the pleasure of their father or grandfather being in the Hall of Fame? I can't answer that because they don't respect it. I'll give you another one. They don't respect what he did. That's that's the only explanation. Okay, let's let's talk Marty Schottenheimer. All right, Marty Schottenheimer has two hundred regular season wins. Okay, there are only eight men in the history of this sport. Eight out of five hundred and thirty-one that have called themselves head coaches in the NFL that have two hundred or more wins. Eight. And Marty can't even get a sniff. He can't even get into the top 15. And you tell me the committee knows what they're doing? Yeah, great great point. Exactly right. Hey, I wanted to do one more thing with you because I love these sorts of conversations as a former NFL executive. Teams, a lot of times, and we see it with the results, they take a quarterback in the top three, top five, top ten, just because the quarterback happens to be there. I've always been one, and I grew up with that Coriel Hannafin offensive line, Deerdorf, Dobler, Banks, Young, Finney, and then we saw Hanny here with the the greatest show on turf offensive line. I've always thought that I would take a great offensive tackle rather than take a quarterback just because he's there. What do you think of that philosophy? I think you're right. But, but the problem is most people can't evaluate the great quarterback. Most people can't see great. I mean, remember, Patrick Mahomes is the 10th pick overall. You know, he didn't – Mitchell Trubisky went first in that draft, if you remember mm-hmm. right. So I could agree with you more. Look, you're always going to take the quarterback if you, if you can evaluate the quarterback. But, you know, to me, I think look at Detroit's success. Everybody gave Detroit crap, you know, because they took Sewell in the first round. Are you kidding me? Sewell's one of their best players. He was one of their best players. Cincinnati's been trying to find a left tackle, and they didn't take Sewell. They took a really good player in Jamar Chase, but, you know, they can't protect half the time. You had a chance to look at the top coaches, the players in your book. I I am curious about your list of top coaches. Uh, Give us an idea who you were looking at. 
Well, I, I think the greatest coach of all time is Paul Brown. And I worked for Walsh. I worked for Belichick. I worked for Al Davis. I, I know Bill Parcells intimately. I, I was a Washington Redskins fan growing up, so I watched the great Joe Gibbs and some of the amazing things that he's done. But we would not have the profession of coaching if it wasn't for Paul Brown. He installed all the things that we do today, whether it's the game planning, whether it's the scouting notebook, whether it's the strategy, whether it's the play call from the quarterback, from the coach, whether it's the coach being up in the press box. He basically was the Bill Gates. He developed the the infrastructure, the software for coaching, and he deserves a ton of credit. And the other guy that I think we don't pay enough respect to, and he's not in the Hall of Fame either, is Clark Shaughnessy. All we do is talk about quarterbacks. We wouldn't have the quarterback position if it wasn't for Clark Shaughnessy, and he can't get a sniff to get in the Hall of Fame. Interesting. Michael, one more thing. If Andy Reid wins on Sunday, if his team wins on Sunday, I think we have a tendency to over-individualize football. If Andy Reid's team wins on Sunday, does that edge him into your top ten? I know it's hard to take somebody out. You know, I think it does. I think he was almost in my top ten as it is, and so – I would have said yes. I think so. Look, Andy's a great coach, and Andy's all Andy done. All Andy has done has gotten better and better and better. He's he's terrific, and uh, he's always been fun. He was at Mizzou before he he went to the Packers, so uh, yeah, we've always enjoyed him. Uh, he was on on Bob Stahl's staff at Missouri. One of the for a horrible team, one of the incredible staffs of all time with uh, John Hoke, Marty Morningweg, Dave Taub was on that staff. Uh, it, uh, Dirk Cutter, future NFL coach, was on that staff. It was an amazing staff that Bob Stahl had that never had any success at Mizzou. Yeah, maybe they just couldn't recruit, you know, but Missouri's got it going now with Eli. I I love it. I love to see it. It's great because it is a great football school. It's a great basketball school, so I love it. All right, Michael Lombardi, we love the book. It's called Football Done Right, setting the record straight on the coaches, players, and history of the NFL. Thank you so much for the time. Good luck with the book, and enjoy your Super Bowl weekend, sir. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Michael Lombardi with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch. little edition of Rock and Roll here before the weekend on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It is time for Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. Great to have you with us, Brooke, Dan, Matthew, and Randy. And uh, Matthew, what do we got for Rock and Roll? Well, Randy, we got to give away some tickets to the MVC tournament first. Oh, let's do it. Yeah, because we've got your chance to win a pair of single session passes and... You want to go to the State Farm Missouri Valley Conference Men's Basketball Tournament? Well, now is your chance. It's the return of Arch Madness to the annual MBC Tournament, March 7th through 10th at Enterprise Center. All session and single session tickets are on sale now. You can learn more about the tournament and register to win tickets at 101ESPN.com or on the 101 mobile app. But right now, we have your chance to win tickets just by texting into the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646-314-399. Yo-ho! All you have to do is answer this question correctly. It might have been a long time ago, but there was a time when the MVC used to put champions up in the NCAA tournament. There are four teams to win the NCAA tournament as members of the MVC. The last one in 1961. Who was that team? Wow, that's a great one. I like that. Who was the last Valley team in 1961 to win the NCAA tournament? Hmm. Interesting. I think I know. I think I just guessed it. Well, I, 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 don't think, I don't think we can give you the tickets. Slash, I think you Darn. can probably get tickets elsewhere. Oh, okay. 
Good. What have you got for rock and roll? Well, we talked about some prop bets earlier at 8 o'clock, but those ones were a little bit more fun. They were a little bit more, you know, a lot of Travis and, and Taylor there. But I wanted to get your guys' thoughts just basically on the game going into the weekend because if, if you are looking to maybe put down some some bets, some some having some fun money in on the games, I think the big question in this game is, it comes down to, especially on prop bets, if it's going to be a high-passing game or if this is going to be a grinded-out, low-scoring running game, how do you guys see the, the pace and the style of game we see on Sunday? I, if I were the coaches, I would want to make this a running game first and foremost, simply because I believe Spags will give Brock Purdy and the 49ers offensive line looks that they haven't seen before. And we know that Spags has come up with a ton of creative blitzes. And now he has Willie Gay back for this game. And on the flip side, if I'm Andy Reid, I'm kind of concerned about my offensive tackles. And if mm-hmm. Tooney isn't playing, I'm concerned about Javon Hargrave against Nick Allegretti. So I would be concerned about being able to keep Patrick Mahomes upright if I were Andy Reid, and I would try to run the ball if I were him too. So uh, if I'm both coaches, I'm trying to shorten the game. I agree with you. I I think that it is going to come down to the running game on both sides. And you have the offensive player of the year, Christian McCaffrey, so you're going to see him get the ball a lot. Now, is this going to be another game, though, that the 49ers are going to have to come back in? Hmm. Could well, be. Kansas City has scored first in all three AFC playoff games, so that is a very good point. They fall behind in terms of San Francisco. They fall behind early in playing catch-up. you got to get Mahomes out of his element. He's had yes. three wins, no turnovers, four TDs in these games. Get him out of his element, and why are you laughing, Randy? Because he's over there mowing down a pancake, <laughs> probably. Is that what it I'm is? Not. Is it, Aren't you is paying it? attention to I, the show? I'm totally paying attention. He, the uh, 49ers <laughs> have fallen behind. In yes, the playoff games. Nope. Green, Bay. <laughs> Green Bay. Green <laughs> Bay. Yeah. Uh, the, the game against Green Bay. Oh, they fell okay. behind. Detroit. They fell yeah. behind. Right. Hold on. We were supposed to end this show at nine fifty. We talked about that for Josh Ennis. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. No, that's not. And how it you works. couldn't hold on two minutes I before you housed not. those pancakes. <laughs> Dan, while you were talking, he literally dips down. It's just mowing the yeah. pancakes. Who would, who, would, who would lean down, down to eat while somebody else is talking on the air? Oh, no, I would never Randy. do that. It's okay. Brooke wouldn't do that. I'll call in the kettle on that one. During, oh, was, she wouldn't do it that. It was during a commercial. <laughs> it doesn't count as much. <laughs> as much. So anyway, I, I do think I, both of these teams are so capable of coming back and have so many weapons. If I'm down even 10 at halftime, if I'm either team, I'm not worried about it. San Francisco has to stop the run, though. As much as Mahomes can get out and do things out of the pocket, Chiefs have averaged 30 rushing attempts, 127 yards per game in this run through the playoffs. So Pacheco, obviously a factor. Kelsey will be a factor in somehow uh, trying to stop Patrick Mahomes. But it's going to be fun, evenly matched teams. Here's another thing I would do if I were... Kyle Shanahan. You know how teams script their first 15 plays of the game? Because of the the adjustments that Spags makes, and he'll he'll insert defenses that they have not practiced during the week, and he's got a really smart group. If I were Kyle Shanahan, I would script my first 15 plays of the second half, too, and come out with a different look. Because you have so many abilities to come out with different looks. But I, that's got to be dictated by the score, though, doesn't it? In their second half? Yeah, but go back to Super Bowl 34. 16 nothing heading into the fourth quarter, and Tennessee runs the ball and gets the game back to 16-16. I can't imagine that it's going to be any more than a 13-14 point game at halftime. Hmm. By the but way, I, I just want to give them different looks. That's what I'm talking about. I think Kansas City is something like 9-1 and against the under this mm-hmm. year, or 9-1 and with the under. 
That's interesting. You going to take yeah. the under in this one? I'm going to go with the over. 47 and a half, and I, I think it's going over. Okay. 28-20? Yeah, I'll I like take that. the over. I like that. 28-20? Yeah. All Score right. predictions for everybody. Let's do that before we head out. I'm going to go with Chiefs winning. Now, I do think the 49ers are going to leave going to halftime, but mm-hmm. Chiefs are going to win it all. 27-24? to 24? That was mine. Oh, really? It really I'm sorry. Was. Okay. So Great I'll minds go, think alike. I, I'll <laughs> tell you. All right, I'll go 24-21. Chiefs. I think that this is a 34-31 game in favor shootout, of huh? the Niners, yes. Wow. As much respect as I have for the defenses, just so many weapons on both sides. The big weapon being number 15 for Kansas City, but the Niners have a lot of weapons too. Quick question on that. 31 points for the Niners, four touched, assuming four touchdowns and a field goal there. How many touchdowns does Christian McCaffrey score? Two. Okay. That's what I was going to say. How about that? How about that? You guys are just uh, building stealing my... I'm just, I'm, just <laughs> building, I'm just building entries over here. Thanks, We're guys. We're not combing Appreciate through your notes, Dan. Good. We're not yeah. doing that while you're gone. <laughs> it's 9.56. That oh, means it's time to go to the weekend. Yeah, and Josh we're, Ennis we're, is coming up. Yeah, it's, uh, we've got a balloon party with Josh Ennis coming up. Uh, he will be joined, I believe, by Andrew Marsh. Will he not? Yes. Yes. Looking forward to that. A great job today by our producer, audio, video engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. Uh, Brooke, did you have fun today? Yes. your face. We want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face? Good. And thanks again to John Fitzgerald for bringing us a breakfast. Dan, that nice? Yeah, good to have you here, So nice. John's the best. Uh, Enjoy your Super Bowl weekend. Blues and Sabres tomorrow, 11 o'clock pregame. Kansas and Baylor tomorrow afternoon. Blues and Canadians, 11 o'clock pregame on Sunday, followed by the Super Bowl. And for all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show till Monday morning at 7. Have a great Super Bowl weekend, everyone. And now for something completely different. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.